I am your host, Shane Smith, back again another week. I don't know why every time I start these episodes, I feel obligated to just talk in like that weird voice. Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Shane Smith. You fucking knew that when you tuned in. Uh, anyway, um, thanks for coming back, guys, and to the new listeners, I appreciate you for being here. Look, before we get started, I just want to get into telling you, ladies and gentlemen, probably mostly gentlemen, that, uh... I have a whole bunch of episodes, and right now we are on the road to episode 100. We're counting down from, or counting up, I guess. This is episode 81. 81. Uh, and uh, we're working on some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I'm talking about music. I'm talking about uh, selling music in different ways than you would typically expect. Uh, I'm talking about new guests. I'm talking about all kinds of fun stuff. At least it's fun to me. And I want you guys to join me. I want you to join me on this journey. I need you guys to go and share this shit with everybody, whether it be this episode or any of the other 80 episodes that you hear. Go back and listen to them if it's your first time listening to the show. Uh, if you don't want to, that's fine. Uh, you're a jerk. I know. You're a jerk. I know. You're, you're a, jerk. a jerk. I know. You're a jerk. Anyway, look, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I can't thank you enough. Seriously, it means the world to me as you help my numbers go up and you help us get more and more people tuned into the show. We need more people in the organic poison atmosphere. I'm working on it. I've said it a million times at nauseum. We're working on our own ecosystem here, man, between the music, the content, between the podcast, I'm trying to do something crazy. Nonetheless, on to this show. My guest today is a good friend of mine, Drew Reagan. How are you, brother? I, I'm making it, man. I'm happy to be here, ready to shoot some shit. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so now that I now that I've got the uh, the formalities out of the way, I feel I feel obligated to talk normal. <laughs> yeah, like stop with the um. Like stadium announcer voice. Yes. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. I've talked about this recently with somebody. I might have been on uh, the Hideout, the Hillian Hideout podcast, a, more, uh, a show that I do with some friends of mine. If you're listening right now, you should go check out the Hillian Hideout podcast. No, but uh, I, I don't remember if it was on that show or if it was on this one, but I was talking about how I really need to get a soundboard. Like once I get yeah, set up sure. in, a, in the room back there, really good, and I don't have to do this from the center point of my living room, I'm going to get me a soundboard with at least like four or five different sounds on there. They should, they should all be obscenities. Oh, of course. It's going to be <laughs> something really inappropriate. I, I, 
for the we talked about it before. We were like, "What if you have one with it?" I'm sure somebody out there has this, but it's like grab a right by the pussy. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking, uh, uh, Joe Biden. Saying I'm not joking, man. Yeah. That's not a joke, man, <laughs> or whatever it is that he says. But I don't know. There's quite a few things. I got hairy legs. <laughs> I'll let the kids touch them. I don't know. I don't know how he said it, but he said, "Oh, he's so weird." I just saying, I got hairy legs is good enough. Actually, it would be fun. And you know, honestly, the way that we could figure out what to do for it now that there's actually a decent, a small little pool, a decent sized pool of people that we could actually poll for stuff that listen to the show. If we could get them all on the Discord or just all active on Instagram or something like that, we could be like, "Hey, pick like." You know your favorite sound out of these ten sounds, and like the five that get that make it can go on the soundboard. So it's like as the not necessarily like, hey, we're doing a podcast and we need to put some sounds on the soundboard. Do you have any suggestions? And then we take suggestions from people, and you know, then you can get the crowd to get involved and all the other good shit. And like, hey, I picked that one. And it's just like I got a big dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. Anyway, Drew, what you been up to, man? Um. Just getting acclimated to a new job. Um, That's awesome. I've been feeling extremely good lately, mentally. I have. That's good. And in great spirits, had a lot less stress on me, so I've been feeling fantastic. That's awesome. That's exciting. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, uh, I mean, <clears throat> full disclaimer, I think it's pretty fair to say that, especially, you know, did you see something? No, I thought my water bottle was like oh. falling. <laughs> <laughs> especially as, you know, the past couple of couple of years have gone by and you know the handful of months and stuff like that it's like we've all kind of had like a, an extra like not only like a, a burden on our shoulders but which i mean i guess that it's a it's a communal burden i guess yeah. I mean, everybody's kind of got it going on but the different stuff that's just going on whether it be covid or war or you know you know uh, injustice everywhere you know whether it be social stuff or whether it be whatever and we've so much of that stuff's gone on it's like we haven't even been able to focus inward as right. much the past like two and a half three years I mean we could even go as far as to say before COVID but like I, it's like it ramped up a lot you know what I'm saying it's like the value of like uh, polarization and focus outward yeah there's been so many issues like <laughs> brought to the forefront in just the past few years that we have had to like I guess contemplate on and decide and yeah, we've had to make a, we've had to make a lot of decisions in the past and two years. Not necessarily decisions that we had to act upon. It's a lot of it's a lot of mental and emotional labor. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe are definitely not as much as the people that are experiencing some of those issues directly, but sure, just learning about them and all of that. You know, it's a lot yeah. of emotional and intellectual labor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, it's interesting enough. It's like we are kind of I don't know. At, I was talking about this on my radio show the other night. Toxic Tunes of Trends at 9 p.m. on Thursdays on DVBehaviorRadio.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. Uh, seriously, go listen to it. Man, we need more fucking listen. I start tweaking out. I'm like, for the love of God, go listen to my fucking radio show. <laughs> I would never do that, even though I just did. <laughs> uh, no, but I was talking about how, you know, it sounds stupid, but it's like a coming of age thing. Right. It's like you. And this might have actually been on my last episode of the podcast. It's like it's weird how like relationships with people like just evolve, and eventually you find yourself as like an adult, like me. I used to always be with at least like two or three people. 
like when I was younger. I was far more of a friend man, a friend kid than like a family kid. Like I didn't spend much time with my family typically, like from the age of like fourteen until you know, like I mean, even now. I mean, but, but it's like I always hung out with my friends, and it was like always two or three friends, two or three friends, four or five friends, twenty friends, whatever it was. And eventually, it became one of those things. Like, oh, the craziest years in society, in modern society, since I've been alive, are happening right now. And it's the years as soon as I move away from my friends. Right. So you don't have that support <laughs> system there. Anymore. Right. Right. And don't get me wrong. It's like I have friends here, and I still can pick up the phone and call somebody if I wanted to. You know, or text somebody or. You know, I I have my wife and my son, but in the same breath, it's like I'm ha- I am have having uh, the next step in the whole coming of age thing. So I got married, having a kid, moved away from my hometown, all my friends and my loved ones. Not to say I don't love my family and my in laws. I'm just you get the picture. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then it's like, bam, you got COVID. Bam, you've got fucking culture war. Bam, you've got this, this, and politics and all this stuff. Bam, you've got an actual war happening on the other side of the world. Like, Which, I don't want to go down that road, which could have implications on us it's, it's got, before we know it. It's got a whole nother. It's got the uh, ability to reach a whole nother podcast, obviously. Like, yeah. But, I mean, just briefly talking on it, like, not yay or nay, but it's just like that shit is terrifying. It is, and it's <laughs> well, and you know who, and this could be a whole other podcast episode. But like, you know who loses the most in that situation? The people of both of those countries. Yeah, these citizens, the average everyday citizens, at bare minimum. Yeah, them, all, yeah. the whole civilization there. At bare minimum, they lose. And that's not to mention the maximum possibilities. You know, you right. never know how. Well, I don't even want to go down that road right now. <laughs> exactly. Because I just you just got through saying you. I were just in a good want mood. to, like as as this book says on the cover, I just want to be here. Ah, yes. <laughs> you just want to be there. You go. Yeah. You just want to be here. You know, like I said, all that stuff going, all that to be said. That it's like it's interesting the fact that like now maybe for like a split second it's almost like there's a bit of an obligation to. I feel like we're starting to uh, – me personally, I don't know. And just for me briefly talking to you and what we're going to proceed to talk to talk about here in a few minutes, uh, it's almost like you're finally getting a chance to try to like work on yourself a little bit. Like prepare yourself for what is – could be next or just for the fact that life is ahead of you. You've got right. life ahead of you either way. So. Right. Even if it's not like uh, some crazy you know, out of a movie shit – you still have normal life to live, and you haven't been able to really experience that to the fullest extent, whether it be, you know, socializing or just even walking into a store without, you know, fucking feeling, uh, should I wear my mask, shouldn't I wear my mask, should I wash my hands, should I not wash my hands, you know, that kind of stuff, and all the stuff that came with that. You should always wash your hands. Yeah, it's like, hey, fam, look, <laughs> hey, pause that real quick, hey, you don't wash your hands, <laughs> but... You get what I'm saying. I feel like maybe I'm making a little sense. But uh, anyway, we could go off on that tangent. Either way, I'm glad you're in good spirits. Despite oh, yeah. my inability to consistently try to bring the mood down with some depressing shit. Uh, you came, you hit me up the other day. Uh, we text back and forth periodically a couple of times throughout the week. And you Typically, we usually text each other throughout the week. Yeah, periodically. And... Uh, you text me, or I text. I think you texted me the other day, and you said something, and you told me about this book. Now, this book that you said, and you, I, I think you told me the name of it. Maybe you told me the name. Maybe you didn't tell me the name of it. 
you told me it since then, but I'm just saying, and I was like, okay, and you were like, man, this book's really got my brain cranking. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it does. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it really had, it's like you got your shit churning. And that was, I mean, a couple of days ago, and clearly you're still, you know, this book still got you some, some thought provoking things for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about you tell me a little bit about a premise of the beginning of what you've gotten out of this experience here? Okay. Starting with the book. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I will start with something before the book. I will start with what led me to this book. Uh, even better. Okay. Even better. You know and how long this show can go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, this is going to sound like insane. But you know what led me to reading this book? What is it? Do you remember the uh, singer Mike Posner? Yes. If I could write you a song and make you... He led me to this book. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, three years ago, he um was writing an album. Okay. And he said that um he got done with the album, and um it was time to do like touring and promotion and all of that kind of stuff for it. And um he talked about how during that time he walked into a I think it was like a bicycle store or something like that. Yeah. And heard some guys talking about this concept of um, walking across the country from, like, coast to coast. Right. Yeah, I remember him doing that. Yeah. And so, he said, like, in that moment, he decided that's what he wanted to do. So, he told his band, hey, we're not going to go on tour. We're not going to announce this tour. I'm not doing all the promotional shit for this album. I'm about to walk from coast to coast. Yeah. So, um, that, like, had a big, like, inspiration on me. Like... Just that somebody that's, like, got, like, all of this money and fame and everything. Yeah. It's just like, hey, I don't want to do that. I'm going to walk on foot across the country from coast to coast. So I followed his journey, and I started listening to some of the music that he was putting out during that time. Sure. And in one of his songs, he mentions Ram Das is the man I got the vision from. Ah. So I started Googling, like, his most famous works and everything. So this has actually like kind of been on my list for years. Yeah, and I, I was just about to ask, I was about to ask. So were you keeping up with Mike Posner at the time, or is this like post throughout that whole journey? I remember, I remember it was a big deal when he's walking across the country. But as far as anything beyond that, like he was on Instagram and shit, going live, and he got yeah, yeah, bit I was, by a snake or some shit. Yeah, like he that. got he got so he got bit by the snake, um, healed up, came back to the spot he got bit by the snake from, continued walking. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I mean, like, like he picked least... back up on the journey. Like, <laughs> I mean, it sure beats him having to start over. Yeah, I mean, that that would have been nearly impossible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he was looking pretty wild there for a minute. Like, I don't know. It was cool that he was walking. It was inspiring to see that he was like, "Fuck it, I'm." He's probably got some money, and well, he still did that. Yeah, it's it's inspiring too because it's like somebody that's like, you know, we know this dude has been like a pop singer. Party man and yeah. all this kind of stuff. He also made that song, uh, I Took a Pill and a Beans. That song was v- the shit. To show a VGL was cool. That's a which, very, very intro- introspective song, by which, the way. Coincidentally, it's kind of like weird. It's like he's talking in that um, song about how doing the drugs and all of that kind of stuff is not the kind of lifestyle you want to live. Yeah. 
And it was turned into a party yeah. song. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, like with a, a remix. Ironically enough, a uh, little bit different, but uh, Kendrick Lamar's Swimming Pools. Yeah. The lyrics to that song is like basically like, yeah, this shit like kills fans. Like, just ruins shit. Like, I just... Horrible. Drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, you turn that song on and you want to do some exactly. shots. Like. How many times have you been <laughs> fucked up when you heard that song? <laughs> anyway, I digress. But anyway, that's just a little backstory on how I handled this book. So, yeah. Recently, I like... I started to listen to some like some of his music again, which is very different than the old stuff. Sure, like it's all about like this inward journey he's been on. So I ran across this book in Books a Million, bought it for like ten or fifteen bucks. Yeah, and I started reading it, and uh, it was a bit more of a journey than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, you know, I'm sure little from, out of your from, little from, out of your wheelhouse. Yeah, a little out of. <laughs> My comprehension level, yeah. Well. But, um, but I'll go, I'll just summarize the beginning, what it's all about, and everything. So you've got Doctor Richard Alpert, who is a renowned um, professor at Harvard. Yeah, like he's living the lifestyle that we all think that we want to live. Got a huge mansion, motorcycle. No, like a Bugatti, some kind of sure. car or something like that. He's getting money. Like, you know, um, he's going to all these parties. Everybody loves him and everything. But he talks about how, like, through all of that, he feels like there's something missing in his life and he don't quite know what it is. He's, like, not happy. Sure. Um. So during that time, um, him and some other professors are doing research on the effects of psychedelics, like acid and... Shrooms and you know other psychedelics. That's D- little, like DMT. I said, yeah, I think DMT as well. Like I don't know, that's a little out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're but, talking about. Timothy Leary shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like through all of that, um, during one of his trips, he has an experience that uh, kind of gives him some perspective. Yeah. So. Like, he's high on shrooms. Mm-hmm. And he has an out-of-body experience, which, I'm, which I hear is common with yeah. being on psychedelics. Yes, indeed. So, like, he's seeing his body, like, right there. And, like, he's asking the question of, like, you know, who am I? You know, what is it that's missing? And so, like, he sees these titles that he's been defining himself as. Right. Like, just kind of, like, floating around his body. Like, he sees professor, um, dad, son. And, like, one by one, all these titles start, like, fading away. And he's like, okay. He's like, I can I can deal with those going away. Not that he doesn't want to be a father out of that. Sure, but it's yeah. like, those are things that he does, yeah. not who he is. Then he sees his body fade away. And he's oh, like, well, shit. I've got to have my, my, my body. And then, like, he hears a little voice. It's like, well, not necessarily. So what's left after the body fades away is just, like, some floating energy. (laughs) And, like, what he took from that and what he writes about in the book is that more than anything, like, more than what you do, more than your name, more than um, your job title, like, more than being a dad, son, you know, mom, daughter, whatever. Right. that we are defined by the energy that we put out into the world. Okay. And that's, that, that just made me think a lot. Yeah. 
And then he talks about how, um, when you think about it, energy is transferable. Sure. Granted, granted, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about some of like the more spiritual stuff and all of that. And sure. But, like, it just had me thinking. And I'll ask you this question. Like, have you, have you ever noticed how, like, if you talk to someone that's, like, extremely anxious and all over the place, you feel a sense of anxiety while you talk to them? Yeah. So, I'm thinking there might be something to that. You talk to somebody that's really excited or happy about something, you know, if you're a halfway decent person, you're going to be happy and excited with them. Yeah, I mean, you've heard about people saying things about people being like, man, it's hard to be in a bad mood when such and such is around. Yeah. Like, it's because their energy, in theory. So, that's why, in theory, like, I'm thinking that they're... Could be, could be something to that, you know. Maybe we are defined by the energy that we bring into the world. Yeah. Maybe we are energy. I know this sounds like really like trippy, but <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's funny because it sounds like something that like a uh, like an overprivileged white girl that like got to go to like Cambodia or yeah. something come back and be like, "We are energy." It's like, but hearing it from her just doesn't resonate. <laughs> yeah. But it's hearing it from me, Russ. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, Drew, you're the prophet. Like more than the more than the more than the spoiled white girl that went yes. to the movie. I mean, fair um, enough, though. I mean, it is what it is. And so he talks about another experience. Um, keep in mind, like this book was written in '72. Even better. So it's during a time where I guess like race relations weren't at the best. Sure. But he talks about how he does a um, can't remember if it was an acid trip or a shroom trip with a. Um, a uh, black uh, a black professor at the uh, college yeah. that he worked at. And he said that, like, during this trip, he had almost the same identical experience. So he's, like, they're both looking at each other's bodies, and, like, the skin color fades away. And in that moment, he they, like, realize that they're not defined by um, whiteness or blackness. Right. And in that moment, they're just energy floating together. Which sounds really out there. It sounds, but it's it like, sounds out there, but a lot of us kind of have, I mean, not to say, oh, you know. But I feel like there's something to be taken from that. Like, yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, so from from there, they go to India to continue their LSD and shrooms research. I think it's primarily LSD they take to, uh, they take to India. And they're, like, giving it out in, like, different doses to all of these, like, Buddhist monks and everything. And, like, he said, like, unfortunately, like, um, let me back up and say that, like, they weren't really, like, using, like, LSD and shrooms, like, as a drug just to get high. They were, like, trying to find, like, an elevated state of consciousness and see things. Right. (laughs) So when they went to India, you know, they're giving it to the residents there, like, like Newton, the like effects they've had with it, and he noticed that it was about the same thing in the study in America. Like some people were like, "Whoa, I saw really trippy stuff," and then some people was like, "Man, I had a spiritual awakening on this." Some people was like, "Well, you know, I really didn't get anything from it." Yeah, and oh, I just got fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so he's sitting in a coffee shop, and um, you know, they're talking about you know. This research assignment isn't going as well as they hope. They're not getting any new data. Yeah. Same here as it was in the States. Right. And this man, like, draped in a, like, I think it was like a robe or, you know, whatever it is they walk over there. I don't want to be, like, culturally, like, 
<laughs> and sensitive. But you know, it kind of like drifts on like the Buddhist like garb. Yeah, like comes in, and he says that like he senses that this guy is um, knows his stuff. But like the weird thing about it is this dude is like American blonde hair, like, right? And um, like he sits down, talks to him. You know, he gets a sense that this dude is like could be some form of teacher or something that can can help him along this journey. And, um, like, you know, five days later, their journey ends. And he decides to stay there and go with that dude and let that dude just lead him. Yeah. So, like, he's riding in, like, a Land Rover with this dude. Like, up a mountain to go see the guru. <clears throat> oh, my God. So, he's just doing it. Yeah, he's just doing it. He's just going for it. Yeah. And once he meets the guru, um... Well, let me back up. So, like, like on this journey, and this is where the Be Here Now name comes from. Yeah. Like, he's, um, like, he keeps telling this guy, to, do you remember when me and Professor so-and-so did this? Or, or let me tell you about the time me and Professor so-and-so did this, and the guy would just tell him, you know, shh, be here now. Yeah. And, like, he would, like, try to talk about the future, and the dude would just be like, no, be, be here now. Yeah. And... That brings about the concept of presence and being in the um, present moment. Which seems like a simple concept, but I think a lot of us fail to do that. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, he goes to meet the guru, and the uh, he finally gets up there and meets the guru. And I could be butchering the story, honestly. Sure. Well, I'm a firm believer in saying Google it yourself. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm just trying to get the best summary from what I remember in my reading. Yeah, no, um, you're good. He meets the guru, and he's got the question in his mind, like, you know, how how do I know this guy's actually a guru? Sure. And the you know the guru's just sitting there, and he, he tells him, you know, you were uh you were thinking about your deceased mother um, a few nights ago, weren't you? And the dude's just like, whoa, <laughs> like, <laughs> and um. He said he felt at that moment that, um, you know, there might be something to that. And, um, you know, he said all he could do is, like, kind of, like, follow this dude's feet. Almost like he's, like, some kind of religious, like, figure or something. Sure. And, like, after some time, that I want to say that guru, like, gave him the name Baba Ram Das. And he, he just went with it, man. And he came back to the States. And then that's where he wrote these pages. The brown pages? Yeah, the brown pages with all the uh, more out there stuff. But so, there's, there's some good wisdom. In before there. we dive too deep into the brown pages, this book, the, the cover of it is, this is probably called something. It's a paradigm or a... Yeah, it's, a it's something. It's some kind of a, you know, I don't know how to explain it. But, you know, the, clearly they've got, everything is repetitious. Like it says, you know... Be here, or let's see, now, be here, now, be here, now, be here, now, be here, now. Yeah, remember, remember, remember. Yeah, yeah, remember, be here now, remember, be here now, more or less. And there's a chair in the middle of it, and then it's the circles with all these different lines. But it's pad, it's a, that's called some kind of prism or something yeah. like that. But uh, anyway, in the, the first, it looks like probably like maybe 20, 25 pages. It's white. And is that all, like, he says him telling him his story? Okay. So, talking about right here? Yeah. First. Okay, so the book goes in three parts. He calls it the, uh, 
think the social science stage, mm-hmm. which is, um, this is, is that just a sticker. No. I thought that was like no. a vinyl sticker. Huh. I was going to say, that'd be so sick if you put that on the back of your vehicle. So, the white pages... Sorry. This is... This is his journey that I just kind of summarized. Okay. See, like, this is I'm... all about his, um... Yeah. Like, dissatisfaction. And there's that filler there. Yeah. The <laughs> oh. filler in here is amazing. Um. Yeah, you can see just kind of like... Gives like brief little chapter. Okay. Dissatisfaction. Right. Gives like he gives his backstory of like where he come from, what he was doing, how he ended up where he was. Yeah. He also got uh, kicked out as professor for all of that. LSD, I imagine he LSD did. and shrooms <laughs> and everything. He's clearly having too much fun. The school said you will not be getting high on our supply. No. <laughs> no more of our research money for shrooms and that. Yeah. See, we've got quotas to fill. This is not working, bro. <laughs> it's working for you, but it's not working on the test subjects. <laughs> we are not going to be able to do this anymore. But just kidding. But yeah, Ram um, Dass was also personally associated with Timothy Leary. I don't know. Timothy Leary was uh, big on psychedelics and all that other good stuff, too. I just mentioned him earlier, but I've just also, for my own peace of mind, I looked up Ram Dass's Wikipedia. Those of you who listen to the show far too much are well aware that I'm not afraid to pull up a list or Wikipedia. <laughs> I like, I've learned a lot through this book. Um, If nothing else, I've just saw some quotes and things that I can take from it. And- sure. Well, and that's kind of where I, why we wanted to like dig into the book a little bit was because you know we've got a lot of these first pages is pretty much just a, a, a more in depth summary of yeah. what you just gave us yeah. uh, more of the actual story less of a summary if you will yeah. <laughs> but then it gets into these brown pages now if it's cool with you I'd like to open go to the brown some of the brown pages and like read they can't see it and the way that it's structured but I like to read some of it like I do you do you want to take it personally I, I mean I will or you can it. you've read it already so okay. it might be easier for you to read some of it than me I might sound like a jackass trying to read okay. it. you want me to just take some of my uh, favorite pages I mean, if you have favorites or you can just pick one uh, it's interesting the layout he has like pictures these are brown pages they're not traditional uh, pages in a, a book. So I I do actually like I actually came prepared with a few of these that I want to talk about. Good. If I can just give that's, me that's, just give me a moment to flip through and find them. Absolutely. Trust me, if anybody's listening to the show and they made it this far, they're a true true believer in the organic poison process. See, I love that, man. You guys should, if you're sitting at home bored and you got a computer, you should Google some of the images from this guy. Look up Ram Dass. I'm sure, I bet some of the stuff you can find online is more raw than what they put on here. Yeah. I'm trying to trying to find like some of the pieces that are a little bit more digestible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of gives a perspective if there's anything in here that's not digestible. If you just find one, it looks like you can at least read it. Okay. I'll, I'll just start with this one. Hell yeah. When I find the ones that I really want to discuss. <clears throat> we can just... I'll just read this and we can <laughs> interpret it. Hell yeah. All right. And what keeps you from that place that gives you that total feeling and experiencing and knowing of fulfillment? Is all of this posturing... All of your thoughts, all of your way of organizing, 
your world, all of your plans, all of your games, you're exploring. Some of us do go on this journey. We didn't stand up and say that we volunteer. It didn't work that way at all. It's not like you had a choice of volunteering or not volunteering. That isn't the way it works. It's a, it's as if you're propelling into it, like the moth into the flame. But yet nobody's pushing you. Nobody's standing around saying, get in, take every third man. He goes. It doesn't work that way either. How interesting. Um, it kind of continues right here. Now, this is this is a piece that I actually do want to talk about. Okay. It goes with what I just read. Good. So, it's a little more like the image of a caterpillar enclosing itself in a cocoon in order to go through the metamorphosis to emerge as a butterfly. The caterpillar does not say, well, now I'm going to climb into this cocoon and become a butterfly. It's just an inevitable process. It's just got to happen. It's just happening. It's got to happen that way. Um... Then I will read one quote off of this page that goes with it. Um, I have to just read this whole page. (laughs) Um, We're talking about a metamorphosis. We're talking about going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. We're talking about how to become a butterfly. I mean, the caterpillar... I want you to listen carefully to this. Okay. The caterpillar is not walking around saying, Man, I'll soon be a butterfly. Because as long as he's busy being a caterpillar... He can't be a butterfly. It's only when the caterpillarness is done that one starts to be a butterfly, and that Caterpil- is part of the caterpillarness. Yes, and that again is part of this paradox. You cannot, you cannot rip away caterpillarness. The whole trip occurs in an unfolding process under which you have no control. Well, what am I doing here if I have no control? That's a hard one. You mean I don't have any choice? Can I say this is important? Can I say this is all nonsense? Your lecture changed my whole life. You think that's choice? No, it's just an unfolding process. So, Man, there's, there's a lot to unpack from that. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack from there, but I think what mainly stands out for me for me is the sec- that little section that says, as long as the caterpillar is busy being a caterpillar, he cannot become a butterfly. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. That's nice. And the way I apply that to my own life is like, as long as I'm busy being a slob or busy being someone that, uh, or as long as I'm busy being lazy, then I can't be active. As long as I'm busy being, you know. Right, right. And, I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. And that might be a completely wrong interpretation, but. (laughs) No, no, I mean, I don't think, I honestly think that, I mean, Let's put it this way. Like, if you look at, you know, a lot of people say, let's just reference the Bible. Right. People will be like, okay, you you read certain scriptures in the Bible, and uh, there's some scriptures that are like, they're more of like a, I mean, Proverbs is a great example. Proverbs is almost exclusively filled with things that are basically Proverbs you can use in your day-to-day life. Like, some of it is some wild out there, irrelevant to, you know, your life shit, but like... Would you consider it just more interpretable things. Yeah, like abstract sort of. Yeah. Like what you get out of it. But not like you're looking at just like a blob on the wall. Right. You know, (laughs) a little bit more guided than that. But absolutely. And to me, something like that is more like, it's kind of like a a proverb or like a a parable of of sorts. You know what I'm saying? Like a, like, like, I don't want to say from the art of war because this is clearly not 
necessarily aggressive, but it's one of those kind of things where, like, you would say, uh, I don't know, there's probably a, a better term for it than a proverb, but definitely something that's interpretable. Absolutely. But I think that your interpretation is actually pretty accurate, especially when applying it. The way that he says it is almost like in a Tony Robinson sort, or yeah. Tony Robbins, like it's like it applies to the the most amount of people, you know what I'm saying? Right. But when you can take that and kind of bring it more of a, uh, I use Tony Robbins, I've never really listened to him, I just know he's like a motivational speaker guy or something. He is, and I, some of his stuff is very motivating, but I do kind of take issue with like... Some things he does, but that could be a whole different podcast. Well, it's Joel Olstein shit. It's like well, you guys are definitely making you guys are well, filthy rich well, off of just so it's it. like well he was talking to like one dude that was like in like audience that was like apparently like suicidal, suffering from depression and whatnot, <laughs> and 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 he's like so his lovely red shoes is the guy kind of cracks up. Oh look, you're not depressed. Oh, come up here, everybody. Look, he's happy and. I'm like, well, you know, he might be happy in this moment, yeah. but when he gets home from this speech three days from now, he, he might be of, suffering with some he, of the same. He thinks about how much money he spent just to be made fun of. It's not funny because we're talking about But it's like, you know, he brings him, like, makes this whole hurrah of, like... Uh, he thinks he's becoming a caterpillar. Yeah. He, and, 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 like, like at one station, like, the dude's, like, crowd surfing. There's like crowd surfing, and I'm like, I'm sure he's having the time of his life in that moment. Yeah. But for Tony Robbins to like stand up there and act like he's curing this dude's depression, like, does not sit right with me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and to, like, that's another reason why I use him as a reference to say that it's like, it's Tony Robbins type shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's something like, it's broad to where it can connect with as many people. I'm not saying he did that intentionally. Clearly, there's so many writings in here. And he also kind of obviously feels like inclined to speak to people. So it's he's saying as he's writing these things down, whenever he was writing them down, clearly it was like a, he was in a state of being almost prophetic. And you can tell that he's like on he's I, I don't know if you can tell this in all of these because I didn't read them all. He's obviously on drugs. Not saying that's necessarily a bad Come thing. Up. This stuff, y- yeah, yeah. It, he's obviously well. He was a big believer in psychedelics. Sure, but, yeah, but. Because it was almost like a spiritual thing for him because he believed that it right. elevated your consciousness. Well, and, 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 you know, we eye roll at that, but in the same breath, there's something to that. I mean, well, I've I've done drugs a, a hefty amount. <laughs> I've done drugs. That's a good uh, sound bite right there. Man, I've done drugs. Man, I've done drugs. <laughs> but no. And I get that, especially if you were – think about if you were, could go into a psychedelic trip with that kind of goal in mind, yeah. like to get those kind of things out of it. Like 90 per, 99.9% of the time when we were doing it, we were like, tonight's tonight, bro. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to do some shrooms tonight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it was great. Don't get me wrong. Every time was fun with the exception of like a handful. And we had a great time, and those are nights that I will never forget, despite being out of my mind zooted. But I can imagine that if you were to go into that experience with these types of things on your mind, like this is the kind of things that you would come with, you know, in the right state of mind. With psychedelics, you can't go into it like angry and pissed and wanting to kill somebody and drunk and fucking. You oh, know, that could end very badly. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. You never know. You you trip too hard, you're you're gonna get. Fucked up. So, how do you feel about this quote here? Um, I'll just kind of like skip down to the actual quote. Um, 
like um, the most exquisite paradox as soon as you give it all up you can have it all how about that one for example as long as you want power you cannot have it but the minute you don't want power you'll have more than you ever imagined possible as long as you have an ego you will be on a limited trip you're on a trivial trip that's going to last what 60, 70, maybe 80 years full of fear of its end trying to make its own eternity well if I am not speaking if I am not what I thought I was how did I get into this who am I for only when I know who I am will I know what it is possible <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it's, it seems like a, a, a very let go kind of uh you know, quote. I mean, to be fair, that's kind of where the uh, the butterfly and the uh, caterpillar pages were kind of pushing towards, but in a little bit different of a dynamic. There's Jesus. Oh, man, he's got Jesus in there. <laughs> I told you. Jesus doesn't even look desecrated or nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. he's obviously on a cross, but, I mean, he doesn't look like... He didn't have, like, dicks around his head or anything like Absolutely. some people would do. It's kind of hard for me to, like, go over this whole book because... A lot of this, like, um, like that's, intertwines, and you kind of have to read it in order. But I'm trying to pick out the quotes that I that yeah. stood out to me that are like right. And I mean, even if there's just some that you see in there that are like hmm, this is worth reading, I, I, just a little bit more of a description. Obviously, everyone can't see this, so this book it's like in the center of the book is a bunch of brown pages. They're not like traditional paper, and they have these crazy images and it's you have to turn the book sideways and like look at it. it's almost in such a way it looks like one of those calendars that you buy that has like a different quote on it every day right. like but it, it's cool though it's unique but it's also like it's like i'll be honest like while i was reading through this i had to google so many things to see what he was talking about because yeah. he's using like terms from religions and stuff that i'm not familiar with right no like, absolutely like i know some teachings from buddhism but i'm by no means a buddhist yeah. I've learned a lot more about Buddhism than I ever thought I would in my life from reading this. <laughs> right, right. But this is kind of how how that is for you is how it's been for me with politics for the past two years. <laughs> right. So this is this is this is one of the like quotes that actually changed my entire perspective on life, and that's a bold statement. It is. But this is like one of the things that taught me a lot about the concept of presence yeah. and being present. But I'm so young. I have so many things to do yet. Well, that'll sure keep you from being here and now. Life is passing me by. Hmm. But if I live just in the here and now, won't there be chaos? What happens if my telephone rings? Now get this. Well, the here and now is the fact that the phone is ringing. Pick it up. Damn. Well, what if somebody wants to make an appointment to see me three weeks from now? Right. Well, write it down. That's here and now. Making the appointment is here and now. Well, what happens three weeks from now? Uh, three weeks from now, you have your appointment with your friend. That will be the here and now. When your child comes down the stairs, this is the first moment all over again. This is Buddha meeting Buddha over toast and coffee, over milk and porridge, over moo tea and brown rice. We never had breakfast before. This is it. This is all there is right now. The if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. Damn. 
That's pretty crazy. Do, like, do you see that though? Like, <clears throat> yeah. Do you see that concept of like yeah. presence? Like it, you're thinking, what if the phone rings? Yeah. Well, if the phone rings, then that's here and now. <laughs> yeah, but, but my th- this is the thing, and this is just contrary in me. What if I don't answer the phone? What if the phone rings? What if I don't think about it at all? I'm at all peace, upside down in the uh, cross leg position, and. And I'm not trying to debate you. I'm just asking for right. like just the thought. Like, what if I'm like the phone rings and I look at it and I'm like, I'm just not going to answer that. Well, I guess I mean you making the decision not to answer the phone would be the here and now, and then just let it go. Yeah, just let it go. Yeah, <laughs> there's something to that. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, you're not obligated to answer the phone. Sure, and obviously that's a scenario. Right. I mean, that, that, that's applicable well, to far more than the phone. I think that's more to, like, address the question of, like, you know, if we're talking about the concept of presence and living in the here and now, like, well, somebody's, like, asking, well, what happens when the phone rings? Well, then that's the here and now. Three weeks from now, that appointment with your friend is the here and now. Like, think of, think about this. Because it's something I took from this book and this concept of presence. Like, you know... Just because of time structures and everything, we think about the past, we think about the future. But you can think about it from the perspective of the past and future don't really exist. The present moment is the only thing that's actually eternal. I mean, you know it's funny. Uh, you say, say that th- some of the stuff that you're saying because it just makes me think, like, I feel like... It's like we were saying just a minute ago. It's like the preppy girl or whatever says some yeah. shit. I'm not saying that this is like that necessarily, but it's one of those. I think what it more is is like you hear so many things so many times. Yeah. But how many times do you really stop and actually take the time to sit there and listen, or or even ponder on it? Right. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not saying this is all my like full belief system now. I'm just saying it's given me things to ponder on. No, exactly. And that's why I was so excited about having you want to talk about it because I. I mean, hey, I mean. Like I was saying earlier, rat race, rat race, rat race, rat race. Everything is a rat race for us. Even here in rural Mississippi, we still work and have to do this and have to do that. And the older we get, the faster it gets because yeah. you're having to do more shit. But I like that like concept of um, you know he brings up the question of you know isn't living in the here and now reckless, and it, that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know. Like, he brings up the concept of, like, I don't remember what page it's on. I might try to find it in a minute. But, like, brings up another question of somebody saying, well, you know, be here and now. What's what's happened to retirement, pension, yeah. um, tenure, all of that kind of stuff? Well, nothing's happened to any of it. Um, like, what you're doing in the present moment to get those things is the here and now. Be here now and be in those things when you get there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey. <clears throat> you know, it's funny, as you're telling as you were telling it just a minute ago. The thing that I immediately thought of was, <clears throat> like, somebody calling me, like, while I'm at work or something. Like, I mean, I probably have, like, a list of, like, three people that it would be, like, I would have to debate whether or not I would answer it. And it it sounds weird, but, like, he, he probably will not hear this, but my dad is one of those people. It's like, if my dad was to call me while I'm at work, like, I have this, like, struggle session where I'm, like... And you know, like, sometimes friends will call you while you're at work. I'm not really big on talking on the phone anyway. But if you're calling me in the middle of the day while you know I'm at work, you know what I'm saying? Like, you might... You think it could be some kind of emergency. Especially if it's a family member. Yeah. With my dad, it's just like, 
what is it that you're calling me about? Just history. There's history there. Not that I had, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with my dad. I'm just saying, like, why are you calling me in the middle of the day? Like, uh, didn't text me first, whatever. I digress. Used to, another person used to be my mom. And my mom passed away. So, as every, and now mind you, mind you, I'm not, this is not like, oh, I missed their phone call. I'm not saying it like that, but it's one of those things that, like, hmm, you know, like, in the moment, you know, if I was more that kind of person, like if I was more of like the person who dwelled on, oh, I should have picked up more phone calls. It's like you think about it, it's like, well, you you did make the decision, you know, and you lived in the moment. And, you know, it's like there's those times where it's like you don't answer the phone. You never know. Right. But in the same breath, you cannot spend all of your time worrying about that phone call prior yeah, to receiving it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and just, it's funny, going back to the phone call scenario, that when you were talking about that, that's, it's going to sound super lame, but that spoke to me. Because yeah. I've thought of, you know, that's kind of relevant to Well, you know. I mean, that's what it's intended to do. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that the pest, I mean, yeah. I sound like I'm like the, like, Ram Dass. Like, yeah. Well, I sound like the Ram Dass the minister the, right the, now. Hey, the disciple of Ram Dass. That sounds pretty serious. <laughs> that sounds serious as fuck. But no, like. That was one of the parts in that book that was most memorable to me and had the most impact on me because it's like, I always thought about that too. Like, it's like, I, I struggle a lot. Like, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say like I read this book and I'm cured of all anxiety. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm but walk, it's like, I walk up in the club slinging dick. Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Ron does. He's my be, boy. <laughs> be here now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, shoddy. <laughs> but, no, but it's like, I struggle with that a lot, like, even in just, like, day-to-day tests, like, yeah. um, and where I've been able to apply this, um, mantra of be here now, it's just, like, in conversation with people, like, you know, sometimes, like, I'll struggle with a little bit of social anxiety, so, like, I might be having a conversation with somebody, and, you know, my mind might go on, like, six million different things while they're talking, and it's not intentional. Sure. So, like, when it's my turn to speak again, I've missed everything they've said. Yeah. And I, I know that sounds terrible, like, oh, you're ignoring that person. <laughs> yeah, okay. But it's not an intentional thing, and it's not that I'm bored by what they're saying. Right. It's like, you know, I'm thinking, like, it starts off with, like, I'm already thinking in my head, well, how am I going to respond to what they're saying and all of that? And so it's like when I find myself in those times, I just kind of, like, bring myself back to that mantra, hey, be here now, and I'm able to tune myself back into that present moment a little right. better. Like, fuck it. Whatever it is I'm thinking about is really not in- like, I don't have to important. worry about it. Even if you look at it as simple layman's terms, it's not that important for the next five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm, and it's and it's like you know this interaction I'm having with this person could, you know, I I could I could show love and kindness to this person, make this person's day, and vice versa. Yeah. But I'm too worried about um, yeah, where I'm going to go on my lunch break or where I'm going to like, right, right. <laughs> you know, instead of you know being here now, seeing what I can get out of this interaction and what I can. What uh, I can get in return, right? Yeah, or just or even what you can give. Yeah, you know what? Can not, you, yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. what I can give in return. You know? right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, I, but even still, you never know. I mean, I mean, it's even as simple as you know, we're 40 minutes in, something like that, 50 minutes into this podcast, and it's like I feel like there's already been like I feel like I've already like received something from this right. just the sake of the conversation obviously we're friends it's nice to talk yeah. to you <laughs> but, but it's but it's still for the sake of the topic i mean it's it 
it is interesting to see, and as you said, be here now. Like, it makes you just want to. Because in my head, like, already in my head, I'm going through thoughts. I'm just like, man, it's like, if I could do every podcast like this, like, directly face-to-face, it would be so much better because then I could really be here now. I mean, obviously, Grand Theft Auto is on TV in the background. And if you're really enjoying that Grand Theft Auto, just look at it and be here now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm actually watching a dude, quick sidetrack, I have a live stream of... uh, some dude playing fucking Grand Theft Auto, and he's a cop. He's literally... That's what this is right here. He's That's a speedometer. So if somebody drives in front of him really fast, they pull him over. This is... This is somebody nodding like, with their boy as a cop. This is like... Might be like one of those like role-play things that they do on yeah, GTA well, Online. I haven't seen no action yet. Had nobody come and blasted him. These dudes have just been fucking LARPing for the past, like, 45 minutes, dude. Like, I swear to God, like, it's hit, look at, you see his little computer inside yeah. his vehicle? And that shit says Dodge on the back. These guys are no-lifers. If it doesn't say Dodge, then it says something really close to it. I'm pretty sure it says Dodge. He has edited this, this is probably modded out on the computer or something. Anyway. I digress. <laughs> per usual, I digress. Like, like, dude, I feel like I'm like a pastor flipping through this book for like. <laughs> you know, if you were a pastor, you'd have all kinds of little tags coming out of it, or like uh, highlighter marks. Okay, I have another entry. I would like to share from it. And we actually, I think you kind of read over this one before the podcast earlier, but. Just for the sake of starting a discussion, I want to like read over this. Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. By all means. So, <clears throat> hippies create police. Police create hippies. If you're in if you're in polarity, you're creating opposites. Polar. You can only protest effectively when you love the person. Check it out. Look. Go back and read it again. Read all the way across. From the beginning? No, just uh, that part down there where you just got... T- it seemed confusing. Yeah. Read it across and then read it across on the bottom. What do you mean, read it across? Here, let me see it real quick. i give it right back. <laughs> yeah, are you about to show me something about my own book that I brought? No, hang on. <laughs> if you're in polarity, you're creating polar opposites. See? If you're in polarity... You are creating polar opposites. Oh. <laughs> I know, dude. That's what I was telling you earlier. I mean, this book is written wild. Wait, so but that's because that's the first thing I landed on. If you're in to. polarity, you're creating polar opposites. How did I read it the first time? You said if you're in polarity, polar, you're creating opposites. Right? Interesting. Is that how it's read? Yeah. Well, maybe not. It's probably not. I probably like misread it. But it's like, you know, the structure of the wording. Yeah, it's, it uh, looks like you would read doo doo and then doo doo. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. I could be hey. wrong. It just seems like that makes more sense. Because if you're in polarity, polar doesn't make any sense to me. So I looked over across right. and I realized, I was like, oh man, it's crazy. Look, you guys, I know that you guys can't see the book, but. It really is pretty interesting. And you said you bought it for what, fifteen bucks? Fifteen, twenty, something like that. Yeah, if you guys got the money, just go buy it. It'd be a good uh, good one to throw I can in the get, show. Oh, here's the exact price right here. Seventeen dollars and seventeen cents. Oh yeah, or steal it. <laughs> I don't I don't care what you do. Live it be sure. here now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is this is the topic I wanna hit on though. This is like something I've really been pondering. Something I've really been pondering. 
You can only protest effectively when you love the person whose ideas you are protesting against as much as you love yourself. Love has to spring spontaneously from within, and it is in no way amenable to any form of inner or outer force. Love and coercion can never go together, but though love cannot be forced on anyone, it can be awakened in him through love itself. Love is essentially self-communicative. Those who do not have it catch it from those who have it. True love is unconquerable and irresistible, and it goes on gathering power and spreading itself until eventually it transform every, transforms everyone whom it touches. Mahir Baba. I hope I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> Mahir Baba. So, but that brings you to the point of, you know, that first, like, phrase. You can only protest effectively when you love the person whose ideas you are protesting as much as you love yourself. Yeah. And I find that difficult as that, a human being. That is like an incredible expression of humility. But, Depending on how, it doesn't necessarily have to be as dramatic as what we've recently incurred of a protest. It could be just slightly disagreeing with someone's choices in their life. Right. But, you know, I think of, for example, like, I've been to, and I won't, I will leave, like, the city name and person who I was protesting out and everything. You have no, no obligation to do that. If, if you're talking about who I think you're talking about, you're more than welcome to call his ass out. Well. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just say it was... A different brand of Marxism. <laughs> Dude. I like that. That was good. That was good. That was good. Then, it, it was a Marxist that wasn't Karl. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you um, go. <laughs> it wasn't Karl Marx. But, you know, I think it's like I'm standing out there and I'm, um, you know, protesting for the injustices that, you know, my brothers and, and sisters in the black community face. Yeah. I think about, you know, I'm out there out of love for them. But can I honestly say that there wasn't any hate or ill will towards the man I'm there to protest? And I can't. Sure. Because, you know, at the time, and I still kind of do think that it was a complete douche nozzle. Yeah. But. He definitely was a douche nozzle. As I ponder on that quote. Does sending hate in return help fix the issue? Is it possible? Is it possible to, if you're going to protest someone who is like openly and vehemently racist, sexist, homophobic, or whatever? Yeah. Like, as a decent human being, how do you open your heart enough to show love to that person? Yeah. I'm, I'm just asking. No, no, I'm no, not. No. I'm not saying you can. That's what I'm I was saying. saying. Go ahead. I'm just saying that that's a hard one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's why I was saying earlier, it's like, this is a great example of like humility. Like it really, it takes a substantial level of like uh, self awareness, probably. I was going to say self control, but I don't think that's quite an accurate. I I guess it goes back, I didn't mean to cut you off, by the way. No, no, no. It goes back to like, How do you... And I'm just pondering on this. Sure. Like, how do I stand in front of your building? Yeah. Protesting everything you stand for. Protesting your ideas. 
because I so vehemently disagree with them. But how, how do I protest everything you stand for and still love you? Yeah. I, I think I think I think that you could get cre- I think the reason why it is difficult for us, not you, but us as people in general, it's difficult for us to get creative and open up to those ideas whenever an entire surround I'm just thinking of that particular situation. Think if you made a sign because this is the first thing I thought of. Was think about if you made a sign that said I very much so disagree with who you are, who you have become, uh, person. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that you knew them before, but the, I thoroughly disagree with the person you've become and the way that you've expressed yourself. But I still love you as a human. And, 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 it, the, and it comes down to that. And so it talks a lot about, like, um, the reason that he believes that is effective protest is because it gets even even some of his beliefs get like even trippier, you know. Like instead of from what I can gather from this, yeah, he looks at the concept of God very conceptually, as in like it goes back to the energy thing. We're all energy that is sharing this universe, and if the universe is God, therefore we are God. I'm not saying I believe that. I don't want anybody coming yeah. at my neck like, yeah. oh, Drew said he's God. Like, would <laughs> <laughs> be on your Kanye shit, bro. But, um, but it goes back to, like, if we are, uh, like, if we are all the universe, and on a less dramatic scale, like, you know, yeah. if we all share this planet, then we have to love each other. But that's hard for me. That's hard for yeah. me. It's hard for me to say that I have love for someone that I vehemently disagree with on those serious of right. Things. Well, I mean, you know, the tale, the tale as old as time. Just something I want to bring up to you, but the tale as old as time is the fact that like we're almost always uh, like it's, uh, we haven't evolved out of like animosity and like uh, just tribal behavior. Right. You know, it's one of those kind of things. Like it, we have to, we have to try. For one, going against the grain is a thing for a reason. That's a turn. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's a thing for a reason because the vast majority of people are not going to be behave in that that manner. You know what I'm saying? And you're human. You know, it's like you're just human. Sometimes you'd be like, "Fuck this dude." You know what I'm right. saying? Like, don't let me pretend that I'm not that guy. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I am a hundred. I'm that guy about people. I am that way about people recently. Like, there's people in my life that I'm just like. Or that I know that whether they be acquaintances, I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't give. There's no reason for me to fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm not. But I digress. That's counter. Well, let me ask you this though: even though that person is someone that you don't want as a part of your life directly, yeah, can you still find it in your heart to love them, even if it's from a distance? I am typically not the person to wish ill will on anyone. If that makes sense. Absolutely. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's one of those kind of things that's like I would not want uh, – like uh, you get a, a, a speeding ticket. I'm going to be like, damn, nah, that sucks, you know, because then I'll immediately start thinking about their situation and like maybe they and can't afford it. That's, or, that's why I'm like uh, – it brings me back to something else that's really – not really related to the book, but it, it I guess it kind of can be because it goes on that topic of love, I sure. guess. Like, you know, I've had like – um relationships in the past that didn't work out and from my perspective 
it was something shitty the other party did. Yeah. But years later now, even though I don't, like, communicate with that person, it's like, you know, when I tell my friends, like, I don't wish any ill will on her, and I genuinely hope she's doing well and is happy now. Right. Like, I might get hit with the perspective back of, like, well, look, you know what she did, or, you know, what she said. Right. But in my view, like, anger, resentment, all of that, those are things that I have to carry that make my life more difficult if right. I were to continue feeling that way or continue wishing any kind of ill will. Not that I ever really wished any kind of bad ill will right, on that person. Right. Well, that's, but that's it's crazy. Like, yeah. I don't, like, I don't know if this makes sense, but it's like, anger and resentment are very heavy things to carry around. Yeah. And they don't feel good to have. So it's like, you know, if I'm not in, like, direct contact with this person, it's better for me to make peace with the past and hope they're doing well and wish them positive. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it probably helps you move on. Yeah. You know? Because, I mean, like, they are not the ones that have to carry around anger and resentment. That's me if I'm carrying around those kind of emotions. Yeah. That takes away from my happiness. That takes away from my being present, you know? Right. You know, that, that this is what I was going to say uh, uh, just a minute ago. Like, something as far as, like, this is a good example. This guy's actually been, he, he, every couple of years he comes around and people talk about him a good bit. But he's been a figure for a long time. But have you, you know who Daryl Davis is? Daryl Davis. He's a black... Ain't that that dude from The Walking Dead? That's... That's Daryl Dixon. Oh. (laughs) Daryl Dixon. I say... I spontaneously say Daryl Dixon all the time for some reason. Daryl Davis... I'm just gonna read his about you... Or about me. But he's been popular... He goes... Every time he goes on Joe Rogan, people talk about him for like three or four months. But here I am talking about him because it's very relevant to the conversation, ironically. But... Daryl Davis is an American R&B and blues musician, activist, author, actor, and band leader. His efforts to fight racism in which, as an African-American, he has engaged with members of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, that guy! And has convinced a number of Klansmen to leave and denounce the KKK, which is 200 plus people, by the way. Oh, yeah, I've heard of I've heard of that guy. I've watched his um, like little mini documentary thing, actually. Yeah, okay. He's super cool, super awesome dude. And <laughs> a, lot, a lot braver than I would be. Yes. <laughs> Yes, well, and, you and know, his situation. His story was more or less along the lines like his first time. He didn't know. He didn't know shit about like what. Like what the hell? What do you mean you're in the KKK? Or what do you mean you're racist or whatever? Like you don't even know like why is you know one of those kind of things. Not what do you mean you're racist? But the first time he ever came into contact with one of these people, he just sat down and had a beer. You know, fucked off with him. And eventually, that guy turned in his coat or whatever. I think it's kind of weird how it's like one of those things that's on. Everybody else brings it up. He typically doesn't bring it up. He brings it up for his first story, but it's almost one of those things where it's become a thing where people like give him their coats. You know what I'm saying? It's like they, they give him it. I'm like okay, and like, they turn from that lifestyle, right? But of course, that's the that's the best part about it. I just think it's weird that it's like they give him their coats. Like that just sounds wild. What do you I think? Don't, it's I, don't, like? I, don't, I don't think I would want that coat. Honestly, well, I mean, like, what does he do with them? Like, why do you save them? Like, does he save them? I don't know. I well, like I don't know. For him, him, it could be like as weird as it sounds. It could just be like a memorabilia thing. Like you know, like this is some dude that I turned away from that lifestyle. This is my right, but, but it's also it t- like that takes away from the humility aspect of it. Is what yeah. I'm thinking. That's like, what do you need these bad? Set them on fire with them. Hug them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm not just saying that because of the conversation we're having. That kinda, That's been something. I've that kind of goes back to the concept of ego. 
I'm saying I'm not saying oh Daryl Davis just has a big ego. Yeah. But a lot of times, like this book talks a lot about letting go of your ego. Yeah. Like um, when it gets into like um, the Buddhist like principles of like purity. Not not purity as I know don't have sex, but like, yeah. like purifying your uh, <laughs> like purifying your mind and stuff. Cut like, off thine cock. Like you know, like some um, <laughs> some uh, like some Buddhist monks and like so it's like they'll go like as far as to like sleep on like hard surfaces and things like that instead of a bed to bring it down to like necessity. And yeah. like it talks about how like Instead of like being pure and giving up like complete like world worldly comforts, some people can get an ego trip out of that by saying, "Oh, look at all this stuff I'm giving up. Look at you know." Right, like, right, right. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same. It's like the the old trope of like how uh, a, a vegan, an atheist, and a CrossFitter walk into a bar. How do I know? Because they told me within the first five minutes of being there. And that kind of goes. To, <laughs> that kind of goes to something that um your boy Joe Burrow said. Uh, Joey B. Yeah, Joey B. Joey Burr. <laughs> Joey Burr. <laughs> um, yeah, he got Burr in the fucking. Super which is kind of <laughs> <laughs> fucking ice cold. But it's kind of weird that like I bring out this quote, but I think it like goes back directly in like um the ego thing. He talks about um the advice that he would have for like young um college prospects that are coming up that could possibly get drafted to the NFL and was like. Stop posting these workout videos for clout and actually like focus on the workout. You know? Yeah. Stop focusing on filming your workouts and showing off all of that stuff. Right. Because you're taking, um, in turn, you're taking away like actually working and getting better and trying to get some social media clout and right. likes. You get to twenty thousand likes, you almost don't give a damn what the recruiter says. Right. Yeah. And that recruiter's opinion is more important than any of those than, than Bobby B forty three on Instagram yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But like <laughs> Trump supporter ninety seven. <laughs> oh, that's no. Oh, I mean, I was about to say something that's not nice. Let me well, not do that now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. I mean, yeah. you are here right now, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> Just joking, <clears throat> but I digress. I don't. I don't want to end the what I was saying about Daryl Dixon on just me shitting on him for keeping the robes. I really right. don't care. I just was kind of pointing into that. But and there could be some reason behind that. He could. It could be some good reasoning behind. There might be a museum come out one day that people go to. There might yeah. be. They might use that for outreach. You know, because I'm and sure he does be. speeches all the time. And it might not be an eager thing. Like it might just be a personal reminder for him that. Yeah. He just looks at and. But there's a reason why he continues to, to do this. And the thing that... Is he still doing it now? Dude, actively? he was just on Joe Rogan the other day talking about this shit. Like, and it's crazy because, you know, he's obviously here recently. The past couple of years, he's been talking more about when you hear him, especially on this last one, they talk a little bit more about what's going on in modern times. He's basically saying that it's a little bit different of a fight now. He's like, because people, like, in bigger cities, he's like, it's people who... He's not, it's his fight, like, he's like trying to talk to these old school like white people. And it's like now you, the people who don't like him now is like say like younger, like left 
angry type. They don't like him they because they believe that you shouldn't even talk to these people, as in like the KKK or whatever. All right. Uh, just as an example. What he does, what we just explained is, that he does. No, no. Not to, like, defend that mentality, but I think that's a normal human reaction of... Like, well, yeah. yeah. No, hey. Yeah, but not to, <laughs> not to the point where you're like, hey, like, giving this person... They're they're giving him the kind of energy that they would give somebody in right. the AK. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. And it's like one of those kind of... And that's not everybody. I don't know. This is just him telling... I'm rebuttaling his story, or uh, repeating it, uh, echoing his story. But And it's like, it sucks to hear that, because it's like, the, the people that are angry at him, it's like... Dial it back a little bit, and everybody's on the same team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's like if you like just don't have that approach where it's like you know uh, absolute is everything. You know, it's like it's, everything is an absolute. Absolutely. <laughs> that, was, that, was not, that was not an intentional pun, but I, but I do admire that. the fact pulling it back. And going going back to the reason why I brought him up in the first place was you were saying how do you have that like self awareness and like be able to maintain that still loving someone despite the fact that. You know, and I think his is more of far more of a candid approach because it's not as much about. I mean, he does. We are all you know one country. We all are. You know, it doesn't matter what the skin color is. He's big on that, but in the same breath, it's not like he's trying to go out of his way on some. He tries to meet people in the middle. It seems like, hey man, like you know, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just wondering why do you think the way you think. You know what I'm saying? It's so it's like, a psychology thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's like, I want to know why. You, and they're like, okay, well. And then by the time they explain themselves, and he's like, okay, you know, it's like, well, you know, he says he has these conversations with people, and he's like, you know, this is not, like, have you ever looked into this? Have you ever looked into this? You know, it's like, and it's just breaking it down. It's like, it's all good. Just look it up whenever you want to. And it's one of those kind of things. People, hit, you know, three, four months later. It's just like, kind of plants the seed. Yeah. A, a very well planted seed you know uh, and and it's never one of those things according to him i mean i don't there's no i don't watch the guy 24 7 i don't know what he does in his day-to-day he could be full of shit he might live in like a mansion <laughs> he comes out every three years needs some more money he comes out and he's like yeah we've been going you know turning lives around and like it's just all a big fraud it's like he goes out takes a couple of pictures a couple of times every year i'm just kidding but i mean i don't know that could be the case it's also pretty crazy because he's from chicago and i'm always Relatively uh, critical on the city of Chicago for some reason. It just happens to be that way. But I digress. Moving forward, it does. It, humility is a big part. I feel like of having to love someone that you disagree with, and that's why well, I was saying earlier. It's, it's, so that's also applicable on a personal level. But it's harder too. Like, not so much like just that. Uh, this, not so much. It's not that having love for someone I disagree with is hard, but it's like. When somebody actually like that has viewpoints that can be harmful to yeah. other people, like to the point of like full on racism, like openly, sure. like, you know, like open white supremacy or sexism and things like that, like it's hard for me to see beyond that. I'm saying that as a human. No, absolutely. I mean, especially today, man. It's like whether you've taken. Whether you take it all or you take a little, it's like, hey, man, we've you know we've consciously evolved, man. There's been a little yeah. bit of a gateway that's opened up recently, and it's like, 
I might not be whole hog walking in the streets, you know, for for any cause these days. But in the same breath, I'm a little bit more sensitive to the the plight of some folks in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that I haven't always been. That's another thing that's crazy to me. Some people want to be like, damn, some of y'all just met your first black person last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I grew up around black people, and that's my best friend growing up was black. (laughs) You know, the same old bullshit. But I'm just saying, like, I but. When it boils down to it, I'm thinking to myself, and it's like rather than pointing out the shit about that, it's like, hey, don't don't be like that. Don't be defensive. It's like just be like it is what it is. Take what you can out of what's going on in the time. This is something that I've had to deal with because, like, rather than feeling attacked, it's like why do I feel attacked? There's no reason for me to feel attacked. I do feel attacked when I see shit like fucking white people suck, bullshit white people, you know, in the same breath. But that's the kind of stuff I gotta let go too. You know why? Because the internet is filled with trolls. And a troll will ruin your day. Not everybody is out there like, oh, fuck all white people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would say that there's, like, less of that than you would think just from looking at a comment section. Yeah. I mean, and literally, the thing is, is, like, I'll be the first one to tell you. If there is a conversation that's going on in the vast majority of the com, or if somebody's, like, arguing in the comments, and the people that I disagree with, I immediately go to their uh, their profile. And when I look at it, this isn't every time, but like I look at it to see if it's a real profile. Almost every time you look at it, it's like fucking no pictures and like 13 friends. Just like a a page someone made to go. Mm -hmm. And whenever I got to the point where I was like, well, let me look at the people who agree with me. And it's the same thing. It's like the same thing. The people are, the people who like are. when you see people in the middle, they're like, hey, look, you know, and they're like a little bit on this side or a little bit on this side. Those people typically are real. But the ones that are talking the most radical, crazy shit on either side of the spectrum, they almost never have real profiles. Like, there's just, it's either like somebody sitting in a warehouse somewhere or it is, uh, you know, somebody who has a burner that they're just like, oh, I'm going to go log into this other account and go find this post and just rage <laughs> out on somebody. I had to, um, I got really bad about um, arguing with people online. Yeah. And I just realized, like, it's not productive for my cause. Like, as somebody that's, like, fairly left-leaning, pretty progressive-minded, at least I would consider myself sure. Like, what does arguing with somebody in the WDAM comment section, (laughs) like, do for my cause? Like, what does arguing with this... What does arguing with this old lady that... Just said something that's probably racist, and I will stand by saying that's probably a racist statement. Yeah. But like, what does? Yeah, I understand that I want to call it out, and it is important to call things out like sure. that when you see it. But is me arguing with her in the WDAM comment section yeah. really going to make her any less racist? No. Is that going to make any kind of forward gain in my cause? Everything that comes from her, what she receives out of that is going to immediately deflect. And turn into some outward reactions. She'd be like, you're, oh, she's going to start thinking you're a race traitor or some shit like that. <laughs> no, so guess what she did? She went to my profile. And she saw that I worked for Jefferson Davis County School District at the time. No way. She, she didn't call me. Oh. <laughs> but she put in the comment section that she should call the school district and tell them that they have a radical left communist working... <laughs> We're working around the children. 
<laughs> so what does that make him like a child molester? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Imagine her calling the school district. Hey, y'all got a communist up there in the IT department. Hey, yeah. you see, you want you want free health care? <laughs> He's trying to fuck our kids. <laughs> no. Oh my god! And these are the same. This is not. This is a very small portion of people, but the same people who would be like, "JFK's coming back. <laughs> JFK's coming back to Dallas, and he's going to put the crown on Donald Trump's head." <laughs> JFK, the Democrat, is going to come back and put his put his uh, crown on Donald Trump's head, and Biden's going to have to step down. <laughs> Those people. Will, Biden's going to have to yeah. crown it. <laughs> That cuck Biden, he's gonna have to put that. If you oh, can, yeah, yeah. dude, can you imagine? I mean, no, I can't imagine that. Look at so the uh, look at this house this person's in. So the letter Not to deflect, but what the fuck is this? Where are they? Looks like Amazon I'm, warehouse. That's what I'm saying. I have never seen this in any of my Grand Theft Auto experiences. Grand Theft Auto has got a lot going on these yeah. days. <laughs> Whoever this is. Who was that cowboy cop that just Look at these dudes. They ain't busted one fool since they've been playing this game, bro. I'm telling you. It's fake. It's a metal room. Anyway, I'm sorry. I got distracted. <laughs> Grant is not as wild these days. If you, if you Anyway, back to the previous conversation, and I'll end that on this note. The letter of the day, kids, is Q. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Drop a Q bomb. <laughs> As, as this uh, as this Finlow on uh, Facebook said once, do you get your news from the mainstream media? If so, you are a sheep. <laughs> do you follow Q? Are you awake? If so, you are a wolf. <laughs> you are a wolf. Dude, I wish I had a dollar for every time I saw that. When I had Facebook, and there, it was like it would go through phases. Like sometimes it wouldn't be around, and then sometimes you'd see everybody being like, "Wake up, shepherds! You know, like, <laughs> the time has come. Like the time has come." Like during the height of the pandemic, like like before, like mass restrictions and everything started like rolling back. Yeah, and like it became like more socially acceptable to not mask. Mm-hmm. Um, so picture that. It was like you and your friends and had like a bunch of sheep walking with masks on. <laughs> me and my friends, like some buff ass lions walking in a How row. gay is that? <laughs> like that is so not like it, not that there's anything wrong with being gay. I'm just saying. How, how lame is that? Like, like and you. This is the thing. You posted that online. Like who in a serious manner? Yeah, as well. Like. Oh, like they're sli- you know they're hitting their chest like me and yeah. my friends don't mess we're lions they found a guy they found a guy what the what is going on here is this their boy pretending to look at all the cops dude look he dropped it he's pointing he's running well, they're- they oh they're no, they, oh they tased him I think they shot him he hit him with a taser Whole boy had a taser. Look, he's gonna check. He's gonna is keep, this, what is it? He's is keeping this? lookout. He's got the taser in case he gets up and runs. Is this? Is this is all fake. Is all this, of this is fake. Is this police brutality simulator? They got him in a handcuff. 
And he's a black guy, of course. A bunch of cowboy hat wearing motherfuckers <laughs> and a black guy that's getting arrested. Ain't that some bullshit? They got the gay cop. Oh, look, right he's there. just floating, just floating down the stairs. Yeah, look at him. <laughs> what the hell? Look at this dude. This dude is a sellout. This cop. What a whack ass loser. Look, they got cats and shit in here. What's going on? You know who that cop right there kind of reminds me of? Who? Look at his sassy walk, man. I don't know who has a sassy walk like that. Um, he does kind of look like no, that. No, uh, actually, the sassy walk is not related. I just noticed uh, it. Criminal Minds? Yeah, he looks like the dude off Criminal Minds. Yeah, he does. I was going to say this. Look at this thing. patriotic. What the hell? <laughs> dude, that has had to have been like a hooker house or something. <laughs> like, this dude was in there like, oh, shit, <laughs> the block is yeah, on. There's, there's too much going on on Earth Theft Auto. Yeah, this is all fake, dude. They should have shot that dude in the skull. Look at these dudes. Why are there that many cops for, like, one break-in? That would look like a business that was open. Who was this fancy cop in the blue? That's what I'm saying. Look at this dude. He's got his hat tilted forward. He looks like the highway patrolman. Yeah, hell, some bitch. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, so you uh, had something else you wanted to read? Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. I wanted to share this one. Absolutely. Okay, do that. <laughs> I'm good. I'm excited about it. Um... There's a Sikh story about a holy man who gave two men each a chicken. And he told them, go kill them where no one can see. One guy went behind the fence and killed the chicken. The other guy walked around for two days and came back to the holy man with the chicken. The holy man said, you didn't kill the chicken? And the guy said, well, everywhere I go, the chicken can see. Wait, hold on. Say that again? The whole thing? Yes. Okay. The holy man gave two men each a chicken and said, go kill them where no one can see. Okay. One guy went behind the fence and killed the chicken. The other guy walked around for two days and came back with the chicken. The holy man said, you didn't kill the chicken? The guy said, well, everywhere I go, the chicken sees. Ah. <clears throat> hmm. That's interesting. I quite, I haven't quite figured out what I take from this one yet. I mean, I take that the chicken sees and that the chicken is someone. I think of like a video game reference for some reason. Like, it makes me think of like picking up like something that is like a, a living object. I guess so. If he's, I think it's just because he's carrying the chicken. Yeah. But like, it makes sense to the fact of being like, did he did he do this out of just pure being a dumbass, or did he do it out of pure uh, like, well, this is my Come excuse. On bringing the chicken this, back. Well, yeah. Well, no, like him, like walking around and being like, oh, like, okay, you ever seen the movie Good Burger? Yeah. Only reason I know this reference is because I just watched it. Like, it, was he the type of guy? That was like Ed. There was a part where a homeboy from Mondo Burger walked in there and he told Ed, he said, You better watch your butt, man. And then Ed just looks, Kel, looks back towards his butt and just starts spinning around in a circle. And he's like, It's really hard to watch your butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's not being a smart ass. He is 
just an idiot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's his whole thing in, in the movie. And it's like, did this guy just like, okay, I'm going to take this chicken somewhere and kill it where it can't be seen? It's like, or where nothing, it's like, oh no, like, the chicken can see everywhere I go. So I could, or was it a conscious effort to him being a smart ass? Hey, I've got the chick, the chicken can see. I value this chicken the same way. You know, he just doesn't want to kill the chicken. You I know? think that, and I think more so, I think it could be, Think about it from this perspective. What if that was the holy man's intentions for him to come back with the chicken? Uh, like a test. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, it, th- there's a reason why they give you both examples. Yeah. You know, say there's definitely a reason why they like I'm the only one that matters, or everything matters. Right. And that's you what know? I think it's yeah. hitting at. And th- I mean, that's that's what I would take from that it's, yeah. if I just heard that. But that's why I say there would be the question of, is the guy just a dumbass? If the guy's just a dumbass, then there's really not a lot you can take from the story. So it would be a lot better to use the reference of him being, like, more of a smartass than a dumbass. You know, hey, the chicken could see everywhere I went. And, I mean, I guess there's the middle part where he is just such a genuine person that he's like, oh, I could not kill this chicken. If the chicken was blind, I would kill it. You know what I'm saying? If he was that way, then that would be kind of in the middle. Yeah. You know? I haven't thought about that perspective. What if the chicken was blind? Yeah. Chicken can't see himself, though. So no one would see. You'd technically be correct. Exactly. So, I mean, that would be like the meeting. But what I find find interesting is the story just ends there. There's no... I think it's meant to be that way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's great. And we might just be like late to the like uh to like the writings of interpretal <laughs> teachings. You know what I'm saying? Like this might have been a thing. Obviously this book was wrote a long time ago. Yeah, this book was written in seventy two. How cool. They're like, you know they have whole college courses on this. Like, hey, man, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't. Well, I didn't take them. <laughs> I didn't take them and I can't afford them. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's why we have a podcast. Occasionally we have really, really educational conversations. Found another excerpt? No. You like <laughs> he said, "No." Yeah, well, yeah, yes, and no. <laughs> well, interesting part. You have gone into the the after the brown pages. Now there is another section of white pages, which is about looks like it's about the same size as the initial white pages section. Yeah, this is what's called the cookbook for a sacred life. Okay, <laughs> did they have any oh. blood rituals in there? If there's no blood rituals, I don't want it. If it's not bringing JFK back, dude, don't even read it to me. <laughs> well, there's part right here. This is the uh, JFK resuscitation. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I really want to get somebody to anim- like make like make me a shirt design of like a bunch of like redneck, but not just rednecks. Like it needs to be very clear that they are Q supporters, and it needs to be like. Like like a little cartoon scene from like uh, Bob's Burgers or like uh, Rick and Morty, and it just needs to be them like praying in a circle and JFK coming up out of the ground. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I want to get put it on a shirt though. I'm gonna get you to try something. Okay. And I'm I'm not gonna do it because I'll be reading the instructions. But <laughs> okay, okay, whatever. This is a purification exercise. It's kind of like a meta. Okay. So it won't take that long at all. It's like it's, it's only seventy five minutes. <laughs> it's like se- it's like seven steps. 
And I might absolutely butcher some of the names because this is like pulling from like Buddhism and Taoism. Can I do it with a dip in my mouth? Um, can, can, can you like? I actually have to rest my testicles in your throat. Like, so. <laughs> can, you, can you breathe out of your mouth with a dip in your mouth? Hell yeah. Okay. All right. I'm an expert. All right. So, so what I want you to do? Go ahead and close your eyes. Okay. Hang on. Uh, I feel like a pastor again. <laughs> like I'm putting you under hypnosis or something. This is the Friday night I wanted. <laughs> I've been seeking for this. Like, like someone's just going to hear this and be like, yeah, Drew's on that. Whoever the gangster is that stayed listening to this podcast this far through, <laughs> you are like, a motherfucking like, savage. Like, Drew's a Buddhist minister now. <laughs> He's going to kill Shane. <laughs> You're like, all right, give me a piece of your hair. <laughs> right. Okay, so you ready? Yes. Okay, so your eyes are closed. Yes, sir. All right. Close your left nostril. No. <clears throat> Before I say, like, let me read the whole thing before you start. That's still one. Breathe three deep breaths out of your right nostril and visualize the air being ejected as dark, a dark red color. Consider it to be all of your bodily diseases and attachments. Step two. Close your right nostril. Oh, shit. Uh, you can open the, the, the left oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't now, breathe. Now breathe breathe out three deep breaths out of your left nostril. Visualize the air being ejected as a blue-gray color. Consider that to be all your mental obstacles and anger. Now breathe out three deep breaths from your mouth. Visualize this air as a purple color and consider it the sloth that impedes your progress. All of the inertia, breathe it out. Alright. Now visualize that from the Ajna point between the eyebrows. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, Third eye. Of Pesma Bava directly to your Anja. There is a piercing beam of white light. <laughs> okay. Uh, imagine a piercing beam of white light coming between your eyebrows. Okay. As it burns into you, it is ridding you of your bodily sins and wrongs. Just imagine that. Visualize that for a moment. Alright. Ironically, I'm trying to line it up like when you're looking through a scope <laughs> on a rifle. Like if you actually have a rifle in your hand with a scope on it, and you have to twist it and aim it a certain way. That's how I'm doing this. But it's working. Or it, it's there. I got it lined <laughs> up. Now visualize a red beam from the throat. Um, of Pesmavava. Directly to your throat center. Like the beam that's coming to your throat. Yeah. I'm thinking, I might be doing this wrong. I'm thinking, like, Pesmogob. I might be, like, some kind of deity or something that I did not read correctly. Anyway. It's okay. This, um, 
We're trying here. I'm along for the ride. Um, this red beam rids you of your lapses of speech and of any untruths. Now, step six. Visualize a beam of light coming from the heart of Pasma Bava to your heart. This beam purifies you of wrongs done and ignorance. Wrong thoughts. Thoughts which maintain an illusion. I am absorbing said beam. <laughs> now, step seven. Now, allow that blue beam to become a broad blue avenue of light. Then you will see Pasma Bava come down that avenue and come directly into your heart. Here, <laughs> here he will sit in your in your uh, spiritual heart. His mantra is Om Ahom Vajra Guru Padma City Home. This means three in one. The unmanifested, imminent manifestation and manifestation. Lightning bolt guru of unbearable compassion and infinite power who resides in my heart. To say his mantra is to keep him in your heart until finally you and he become one. Shabalah Mahum. When I, when I went through this, I didn't do all of this. <laughs> of course. I will go through it for you, too. Oh, um, anyway. If I spontaneously, spontaneously combust, you know why. No. My eyes are still closed. No, there's four things. For the crowd to know. Four. Now, here's here's the four... Uh, but his... But, but his... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I obviously did not comprehend what I was reading when I read this through the first time. Anyway, just repeat each of these four things three times. Okay. I resolve to become enlightened for the sake of all living things. I desire, you said? Resolve. I resolve to become enlightened. To become enlightened. For the sake of all living things. I resolve to become enlightened for the sake of all living things. I resolve to become enlightened for the sake of all living things. I resolve to become enlightened. For all living things. I will cut the roots of all delusive passions. I will cut the roots of all delusive... Delusive? Delusive passions. Delusive passions. I will... Wait, okay, wait, say it again. I will cut the roots of all delusive passions. I will cut the roots of all delusive passions. I will cut the roots of all delusive passions. I will cut the root of all delusive passions. I will cut the root of all delusive passions. Alright. I will... Penetrate the farthest gate of Dharma. Yes, I will. <laughs> Detroit. I'm just joking. Okay, okay, okay. Say it again. I will penetrate the farthest gate of Dharma. 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 I will realize the supreme way of Buddha. <laughs> I will realize the supreme way of Buddha. I will realize the supreme way of Buddha. I will realize the supreme way of Buddha. Okay, and then that, that's all you can open your eyes now. How do you feel? I'm like... <laughs> I'm like in where Neo is when he's on his knees at the end of the Matrix. Do you, do you feel like any... Like, like I know we're being kind of silly with it, but like at least like... You know, with the closing the nostril and like imagining the red color being like your unhealthy desires and the blue color being your mental obstacles. Did you feel any kind of relaxation from that at all? I feel... Let's put it this way. I think what I feel, and especially if I was in the zone, 
I mean, clearly, you know, we are having fun. But if I was in the zone, like, and even still not being in the zone, I, I don't remember the last time I closed my eyes for that long while I was awake. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so to do that is one thing. But then also to say the, I guess, mantra or mantras, that was cool. Weird, but cool. Yeah. You know, like, like, only so weird. Like, I'm not, like, embarrassed by, you know, doing the goofy shit because I invite that. That's cool. That's fun. Right. But the, uh, the, the breathing thing, you know, like, I always think whenever I do anything that involves some kind of breathing, the immediately I first thing I think of is, you know, you used to cross your arms or whatever, and you take 10 deep breaths and you pass out. Right. Like, that was, like, one of those things. Like, nobody can take 10 deep breaths without passing out. Like, that's, like, it used to be a thing that people would say. And that's what I think of when I start doing that stuff. So I monitor my breathing while I'm doing it because I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, let's not make myself pass out fucking off doing something. Yeah, so you're... Got some thoughts going on. Yeah, exactly. But in the same breath, as I was doing all of that, I was thinking to myself, if you made this like routine, like if you did it like as a routine, like I bet it would become one of the, it's it's like a form of meditation, I imagine. It is. And there's like, if you're not big into like spiritual and inviting so and so into your heart and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. you can modify it. Like sure, yeah. I mean, and for the sake of what it's worth, I mean, going back to what we were saying earlier about getting something out of it, even if it's not, you know, you know, a lot of people aren't spiritual. A lot of people don't think, don't care about that kind of stuff. A lot of people, it's easier for them to not care about. It. I'm not saying that's the only reason people don't care, but I'm just saying. For some people, they try not to, to dig too deep in it. Me, I'm having fun, but I'm also in, interested in learning. I digress. I'm not. Don't think I'm a spiritual guru by any means. <laughs> yeah. I'm just giving you what I got out of reading. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. It, like me, like I, it's always one of those things that you think of, like uh, you romanticize the idea of like uh, meditating. You know, it's like the romantic, like. People romanticizing meditation is probably something that turns a lot of people off of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, not. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Like, people being like, "I'm take, I'm setting up my phone to take an Instagram picture of me while I'm meditating." Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff is like that. that but that takes away from the purpose of meditating. Absolutely, hundred percent. Because it's supposed to be for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when you get that phone, you're. You're bringing ego into the picture. Yeah, it's already a non-starter. You grabbed your phone. You know, like that's that's kind of phone should be away while you're meditating. Yeah, in theory, that's why. Like, I mean, nothing else. Like, I don't know. Like, what, it gets a little complicated when, get, when it gets down into like this light's coming from what, what was his name? Anyway, from from his throat to your throat and all, all of that. That gets a little complicated, but I do think, like, there was something that I took from just closing my eyes and closing a nostril and taking three deep breaths and just imagining that being anxiety and anger coming out of my body. Right. There was something that I got from that. Right, like, absolutely. Especially if you're, like, at the crib by yourself, like, or, like, yeah, you got like, some peace. Like, if you're, like, actually doing it and, and practicing, not like we are on the show sure. now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Man, it's pretty tight. Like it makes you makes it, it, it. To be honest, it makes me interested in trying that. 
I mean, one step at a time. To be fair, I, I express it all the time, every time I open my mouth for longer than 15 seconds. I keep myself pretty fucking busy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Between the podcast, the radio, and the working, and being a parent, and a husband, and occasionally having the opportunity to be a friend. You know? <laughs> Which sucks, but in the same breath, it is what it is. And... I don't mean to cut you off. It's not an excuse. But that brings me back to like one more quote from the book that I wanted to bring up. And I don't remember what page it's on, so I'm not going to go dig trying to find it. <laughs> but like, it brings up it brings up some parents and like, and like the parents are saying like on this page, yeah, but I I give my son this, I give him you know all this, and it's like all material stuff. Yeah. And like Ramdas makes the quote of. Well, that's hogwash because, um, because I can do nothing for you but to work on myself, and you can do nothing for me but to work on yourself. And that I think that applies in parenting and everywhere else. <laughs> I think I think it does. I think that's fair. I think where that that would become murky water for me is just because of the fact that uh, it created. I mean, obviously, all of this stuff you can't take entirely literal. Right. But in the same breath, it's something to take into consideration, but in the same breath, obviously, your parents aren't going to be on the same page as you quite literally when it comes to something like this book. But not your parents exclusively, I'm just saying in general. But when it all boils down to it, it's like, doesn't that almost create, like, if you're old enough, if you're young enough to appreciate this book, all that would do, or not all that it would do, but it could potentially open the door to separation between you and your parents like you you can't relate to me parent because i am on my own journey well i wouldn't say that i think it's more so in the sense of i look at it from this perspective sure and we might disagree more so from the perspective of you can't pour from an empty cup sure so if i'm not actively taking any time to work on myself i'm not saying oh i've got to separate myself from everyone i know because i'm on this journey but if i'm not taking the time to better myself and keep my cup full, then that could project onto other people. Right. In my life. So, I think that the best thing that you can do for the people around you is to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Right. Well, I mean, and that's more so what I get out of that. Yeah. Than, absolutely. I mean, it makes a good then, place. Then, then literally, oh, I can't do anything for you. Don't come around me. It's, it's like, more, more, more along the lines of like, jump off the porch, walk around the block, and come back and share what you've, you know, share what you've acquired. Right. You know, as opposed to just staying on the porch with everyone else in your, your communion, if you will. You know, like, if, you know, say with parents. It's like, they've, they've, ex- they've had their chance and their opportunity to experience whatever. Okay, I'll take the best things I can get from what I have here, and I'm going to go and I'm going to travel around the block. Travel around town, I'm going to come back and tell you what I've, and share, you know, or, you know, uh, radiate, if you will, radiate your energy Back, going back to what we were talking about earlier, radiate your energy back to these same people. Maybe it can continue to f- flourish within this commune in which you were. Not literally a commune, but your community, your home, your house, your parents, your family. So from that perspective, that actually makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a... a I was literally... I was. Kind of just playing devil's advocate earlier, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be nefarious, you know. Oh, you have nothing for me. It's time yeah, for you to vanish. And that's what I was saying. That's not. I didn't take like when I first read it. I didn't take that perspective from it. I was saying, like I took the perspective of 
the best things that we can do for each other as human beings is to make sure that we are the best people that we can be. Yeah, the, the old the old trope of uh, yeah. be the best version of yourself. Yeah. Because, you know, I think there's certainly been times in my life where my cup was empty. I was frustrated about something mentally. And you know, certainly in times where I probably projected that on the people around me. You know, unknowingly, unintentionally. Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm in a bad mood, so I'm going to be in a bad mood towards you. Right. Or I'm going to express my frustration with you. And Damn, that vehicle is loud as yeah, fuck, dude. I think there's a drag race going yeah. on down here. Uh, but no, it's like, it's like uh, and that can kind of like, that's counter counterproductive to the goal. If, that, if the goal is to build everyone up. It, you know, following back to the best thing I can do for my community is be the best me I can be. Yeah. If you are projecting frustration onto everyone else, even if it's not towards them, the energy is still there, and you're still sharing that energy with them. Right, and I think, like going back to the parent thing, like, like on the page, like it shows like an illustration of like some parents, and like the parents are talking about how they're, how they feel like they're great parents because. They've bought their child this, bought their child that. I think the point is that it's maybe not material things. Yeah. I mean, of course, your child has to have material things, like you know, to right. live. But I think it's more so the love and how you interact with them, and being in the best place that you can be for yourself, so that you can project that to them. I guess if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely makes sense. I mean, it, it, it's better uh, it's better interpreted, and there's more to that story than there is me taking it to the, the the darker place. Which I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I was completely wrong, but in the same breath, there's a lot more and, enlightenment to come from the direction. And you know what? You know what's really sad. You know, we're talking about all of these works and stuff. But, you know, Ram Dass actually passed away a few years ago. Really? Yeah. He's he's somebody I really would have liked to meet and pick his brain. Like, dude, <laughs> I bet he was a good talker. Yeah, he does a lot of like lectures, like or he has a lot of lectures up on. I was gonna YouTube. say he did a lot of yeah. lectures. Nineteen, uh, excuse me, two thousand nineteen, December twenty second, right before Christmas, passed away. Uh, he was damn. He lived a long time though. I mean, nineteen thirty one to two thousand and nineteen. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty. Pretty long time. How long is that? Let's see. 1931 to 2019. 90 years? Almost? 82? I mean, 88? I could be off. Might be 78. But nonetheless, still, it's a long time. I mean, undoubtedly, uh, this guy has clearly affected a lot of people. For one, because of the fact that, I say him, obviously him and his counterparts and his peers, but he has affected a lot of people merely off the fact that they're still selling this book. All right, and he's got some other books, too. Yeah, I was seeing that here uh, as I was reading his Wikipedia. <laughs> he clearly has, there's more to his story than just this book, but uh, interesting guy. Like, he, I feel like it, this is probably like his, like, I would probably say his flagship, like, yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely it's brought up twice right here. So, it's, and I, it only brings up his other books once. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's 
pretty nice. I mean, it's right here it says, after Alpert returned to America as Ram Dass, he stayed at the Lama Foundation in Taos, New Mexico, as a guest. Ram Dass had helped had helped Steve Durkee, wow, and Barbara Durkee. Uh, co-found the Countercultural Spiritual Community in 1967, and it had had an ashram dedicated to Ramdas Guru, Ramdas's Guru. During Ramdas's visit, he presented a manuscript he had written entitled "From Bindu to Ojas." I'm probably mispronouncing that, but uh, the community's residents edited, illustrated, and laid out the text, which ultimately became a best-selling book when published under the name. Be here now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, uh, the 416-page manual for conscious being was published by Lama Foundation as best-selling book when published under the name Be Here Now. That's crazy. And they used all the money that came from that to benefit the community. So he didn't take a dime of profits from it. Huh? I mean, you know, I, mean, I doubt he was poor when he died, but I'm just saying. The first section of the book inspired the lyrics... Oh, let's see, this might be from... A, no, this is from that book. The first section of the book inspired the lyrics to George Harrison's song, Be Here Now, written in 1971 and released on his 1973 album, Living in a Material World. I wonder if... I wonder if that's the film that's supposed to be shooting the beams. I don't know. Is that like a cat? I think a person? Think maybe. I'm, you know, when we were doing the meditation and, and <laughs> like, it says that it was selling two million copies uh, within the first couple of years. It says the proceeds helped sustain the Llama Foundation for several years. After which, they donated the book's copyrights and half of its proceeds to the Hanuman Foundation in Taos. And it says, uh, the first guys for those not born in Hindu to become a yogi. For its influence on the hippie movement, the subsequent sub- spiritual movement, it has been described as countercultural Bible and the seminal to the era. And seminal to the era. In addition to introducing its title phrase into common use, Be Here Now has influenced numerous other writers and yogi practitioners, including the industrialist Steve Jobs, the self-help author Wayne Dyer, and the poet Lawrence Faring Hetty. And then it says the George Harrison thing. <laughs> Apparently this book is a, a, a thing. It's very influential. Yeah. yeah. I mean... And it's crazy. Just to think about the dude that the dude that sang "I wrote a pill in a bezel" led me to this. Yeah, like <laughs> and that's way more modern than any of the guys we're yeah. talking about. Uh, and you know, I mean, and it's weird to say too that like it's weird. Like nothing against Mike Posner. I really like the guy, but like. When Coomer Than You came out when I was a child, I never would have I never would have imagined like he would become one of the biggest inspirations to me in my life. Right. No, I mean absolutely, I understand. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. I mean, uh Mike Posner, I mean, like his career has been interesting, just talking about him for a second, but like, because he's, you hear about him, you don't hear about him. You hear about him, you don't hear about him. And it's like... And now he's at the point where he don't care if you hear about him or not. He's yeah. just doing what he wants and to do. I, like, <laughs> that's crazy, because I was going to mention this earlier, but I just saw, like, a video of him the other day. 
I don't know why. But he popped up, and it was a popped up of it was like it was like a, a like two and a half minute video of like him talking about something, and then like he's like on stage talking to some people, almost like you know I don't know what he's talking about or whatever. But you could tell he had his guitar up there, and, but it wasn't like he was on stage at a festival or nothing. It looked like he it was, does he it, does some public speaking. I was gonna say it was like a seminar or something, and it might have been the. Um... Did you listen to it or you just kind of scrolled through? No, it was like a, uh, it was like, almost, I don't want to say an infomercial, but it was like a recap video of like several like weekends or something, different things going on. He did one like, to go back to the be here now thing, he did one where he, um, he was giving a speech about how, um, he was, he said he was like in his living room, you know, his dad passed away with cancer and everything. Yeah. He, he said he was in his living room and, um, he decided to play his guitar a little bit. And, um, this is, like, during the time that his dad was, like, struggling with cancer and was, you know, almost near the end of his life. He said he heard, like, a big thud on the floor. And he said, like, he walked over, he walked in there and saw his, like, dad on the floor and said, uh, Dad, what happened? He said, um, well, he said, my, my mind thought I could walk, but my body didn't agree. Damn. No, what, no, no, he started off by saying, I feel... And he said he looked at him and said, I, I see that. Uh, and he said he laid down on the floor next to his dad and just looked him in the face and they both like laughed together. And uh, he said it might seem goofy. Yeah. But he said like it was, that was like a moment of presence for him. Yeah. Just like taking like one of those like last moments he was going to have with his dad to like laugh about like something that, you know, oh, his dad fell. It's not like he's like, ah, dad, you fell. Yeah. But it's like his dad was like just saying in good spirits like, Man, I guess my, and it was like due to the cancer that he couldn't sure. walk. Um, he just, he said, you know, my mind told me to walk, but my legs didn't agree. <laughs> and they just laid there laughing about it for a minute. Damn. And he just talked about the presence of being in that moment and like nothing else mattering. Just being present with his dad in that, in that moment. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's kind of inspirational too. Yeah. Like it makes you think. Like, yeah, I mean, because in all honesty, it's like I imagine when you get into those positions, it's like all you do is think about the inevitable end, right? You know, like especially not from the dad's point of view too, but like the, as the son, you know, him being the son, it's like oh my god, like you can sit there worried, just uh, waiting, you know, like oh my god, he's gonna die, what are we gonna do? As opposed to that, it's like you find that peace a little bit, even if it was just for five minutes, even if he didn't find that peace at any other time, he did find that peace for that period of time to, you know. And he talks too about when his dad passed away. And that's what I found very inspirational. Like, of course he was sad about his dad passing away because he wouldn't be. Yeah. But he said that was also like a big turning point in his life because it, he said that it hit him with the reality of, oh shit, I'm going to die one day too. (laughs) And, like, I mean, I know we're all aware of that. Sure. But it's not something most of us just think about. Right. But he said, like, in that moment, he became very, like, cog- cognizant. I think that's the right word. I think it is, too. <laughs> of I the think fact, you're right. Of the fact that he's going to die one day. And, like, that led him to that walk across America. So, I mean, I find that very inspirational to me because it's not like, oh, I'm going to die one day. What's the point? It's like... Man, I need to make the most of every moment I have in life. <laughs> yeah. Before that time. 
have a I have a very very existential fear a fear <sighs> fear of death. Like I'm constantly not constantly, but every time I think about it, I th- I'm like, oh man, I really don't want to die. And like I, I never wanted to die before, but it sucks even worse now that I have a kid. And <laughs> I can see that. But for me, like you know what my biggest fear is? It's not death. It's it's getting to death and not having fully lived my life the way I wanted to. Right. And that scares me. Like, just the act of passing away doesn't seem like it would be a terrible thing. Yeah. Not that I want to die. <laughs> die here. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But being on my deathbed and thinking... Man, I wish I would have experienced this or got to do that or got to do that. That thought terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a pretty terrifying thought. I mean, I'll, but I look at it this way. It's like, it's like you might not even have the opportunity to be on a deathbed. Yeah. It might just be some crazy yeah, shit happens. Yeah, car wreck one yeah, day. Or, or a fucking plane falls out of the sky. Or you have like... One of the, like, yeah, he just fucking something, you know, went in his brain, he dropped dead. Perfectly good, you hear about it happening to people in perfectly good health. You hear about unhealthy people living till they're 80 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, all these different things, like, that, it, which, to be fair, the the randomization of it all kind of makes it easier because it's like, fuck it, dude. Like, there's really no telling. Like, there's really nothing, you can do the best, whatever, you know, you can find to give you a little piece, fine, as far as, like, health-wise goes, and just being safe. But in the same breath, it's like, you can only be so safe. Because it's like, what are you here for if you're not living and taking chances? And- right. And if you're not really... It, to me, I always use the expression, there's a difference in existing and living. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because to me, it's like... And I'm... Like, nothing against, like, any of like, my friends or acquaintances or anything like that. But it's like, I know people that... They just work... And go home and work and go home and work and go home and have no hobby or any anything else and yeah. I got in I got in that rut for a little while and I just it hit me one day. It's like I don't wanna live like that. Yeah. Like even if I'm slam busy with work, even if I've got other things going on, it's like I have to make time for things in my life that give me some form of joy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, what's the point? Like, what's the point in even doing any of this other shit if you can't do something that, or have something in your life that brings you some kind of, like, joy and, you know, not just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that people can't find joy in their job. You know, I'm not saying they can't find joy at sitting at home and just playing fucking redneck Grand Theft Auto. Oh, yeah, that's your thing, go ahead. Yeah, but in the but same me, breath, like, there's so much more to the world, I feel like it's a waste of energy. That's why, like, to me, it's like, I'm, like, I'm all about, like, new experiences doing things I haven't done before like you could honestly like you could call me tomorrow and say hey Drew I'm going to kick a can for five miles under the Pearl River Bridge you want to come join yeah. I'd be like yeah sure that'd be a cool memory Man, you remember that time me and Shane went under the Pearl River Bridge and <laughs> kicked the can for five miles but it's like you know I know people that you know I might ask them to go do something and they're like oh, I don't want to leave my house and I'm like just I don't get. I don't get that mentality. Yeah. Like, that's not shitting on them. Sure. It's just like I don't. I guess like since I've, like I said, like I've become increasingly cognizant of the fact that I'm going to die one day in the past few years. Yeah. 
And instead of that being like a fear thing, it's like it inspires me. Like, right. And I, I mean, when it all, like, kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation, it's kind of like, fuck it. You, I mean, in the words of the late, not late great, but in the words of great Drake, you only live once. <laughs> yeah, as far as we know, you really only live one time consciously. Or kind of like in this or, consciousness. Or in the word, the words of suicide Silas, you only live once. So go fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it. it I, I I don't know. Like, and it sounds weird. Like, because I, I know. There's an old me that would have been like, oh, well, you got married and you had a fucking kid, so it's like, well... But I'm thinking, like, dude, this is a part of the journey. Like, I, well, to, well, for see, me personally... But, but being... Yeah, it is. But being married and having a kid also, like, it doesn't stop you from living life. I mean, right. I mean, I, mean, I would assume it adds to the joy of your life. I would, I would hope anyway. 105%. <laughs> like, that's another thing. Like, what I'm saying is, like... I have had a very, very unique upbringing up until, let's just say up until I turned 25, which was three years ago. But I'm just saying, like, let's just say up until I got married, everything was a very, very interesting experience for me. I had some dark years. But before that, my teenage years, dude, I got to see more of the country than almost everyone that I know because I just by happenstance started playing music and this happened, all these puzzle pieces came together. So I got to see portions of the country that some of my friends have never seen. That's not to say that they won't, but I wasn't even 20 years old yet, and I got to go to over 20 states. And that's amazing. Yeah, and it's like, to I'm me, sure. like, and like I don't ever get the chance to just like open up about that. Like Eventually, like I'll be able to like find the way to articulate it the right way. But like for me, especially in hindsight, at the time it was, it was cool. But in hindsight, like, I'm like, damn, dude, like, this is, that was so fucking cool. And it's like, you know, nothing crazy bad happened to me or anything like that. Almost every, like, major bad thing that's happened to me in my life, well, I mean, with the exception of being under the age of, like, 14, has been of my own, you know, like, my own, like, uh, living too much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not balancing that whole, like, uh, you know, living in the moment thing and being, like, you know, responsible to reality. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, there's sometimes, you know, and to be fair, those times when those things happen, it should have happened, like, ten times worse. So I should be grateful for those experiences that happened, and I usually am. Learning experience. Yeah. Right, exactly. I'm lucky that those were able to be turned into uh, learning experiences as opposed to some other things that could have happened in my life that Absolutely. ruined my life, that could have ruined my life or possibly even ended my life. You know, less of those than the, you know, life ruiners, like the things that could have just fucked everything up for you. But, and, you know, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting journey nonetheless. And everybody has their own story. That's something that... An ex-girlfriend of mine actually used to always say, she like, you know, everybody has their own story. She was a super Christian, goody, great, goody, whatever. Good for her. I don't have anything bad to say, right? I'm just saying, like, she used to always say everybody has their own story. And to me, that the older I get, the more it makes sense. Because we're so much further away now from when we started. You know what I'm saying? And everybody has their journey in between now and then. People come and go. People stick around. People whatever. All this stuff. You've got people. You've got life experiences. And it creates where you're at right now. 
That's why you think the way you think. That's why you feel the way you feel. That's why you react the way you react. That's why you smile. That's why you cry. That's you know, all these different things, and that is because of the journey that you've had so far. And as cheesy as it sounds, it just goes to prove, despite the fact that so many of us could fit into different categories with each other, there's no two people on the planet that are exactly alike. And that's a good thing. <laughs> it makes it more interesting. It makes well, it interesting. <laughs> because and no two of us are going to like agree on every topic. On if we every just, single thing. If we just really dig. Yeah. Like... You know, we might both sit, we might both sit here and say, "Well, I'm I'm a Democrat, or uh, we're Republicans, or right. whatever." You know, if it was on the same like side of the spectrum, but if we really dug into each individual issue, each individual thing, yeah. or it doesn't have to be politics, each societal issue, each, no, you yeah, know, absolutely. we're gonna find topics where we don't see eye to eye. <laughs> right, but that's a good. I mean, it's a relevant thing too, though. And those, and the reason we don't see eye to eye on them is going back to your point. Because we've had different journeys exactly. that have led us to that viewpoint that we have. Not that either of our viewpoints are wrong. Sure, there could be merit in each one, yeah. and having a conversation about them could teach us both something. Exactly. You know, that's one thing with uh, all the shit talking I do online, and you know the stuff that we talked about on this podcast—not this one in particular, but just in general. Eighty-one episodes. This is the eighty-first episode. The stuff that I've learned about myself, and I've learned about other people, but also something I've constantly tried to express. Something that it easily to say it's because I'm a fence rider, but in the same breath, I look at it. As, I don't think I've ever disowned a friend because of something like. Trivial, you know, like some kind of like you feel some type of way. I've had friends that have definitely like stopped fucking with me because of stuff that I've said like online or whatever. But like when it all boils down to it, I'm like, no, like let's not, you know. And honestly, sometimes I, I mean, especially we're um, back in the Facebook days for me. Like it definitely, I, I might instigate things from time to time. But like in all honesty, it's like when it all boils down to it, it's like I'm not gonna. Defriend you like I. It almost makes me like want to go further in on someone whenever they react in such a ha- a harsh way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look, dude. It's not, when it boils down to it, all we really ultimately have is ourselves, and the next best thing is each other. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it's like if you've got people like, and you know, uh, a, a more common like uh. uh frequented topic is like oh they want us all against each other so they can you know like they want us all against each other so we won't bond together to go against them like as cheesy as that sounds it's a hundred percent true like there's so much factor in the fact that whether it be naturally or it be orchestrated it's like we really do all like could accomplish so much more if we could and this i'm talking to myself too like if we could just look at the bullshit i do have a question on that though I do think like the coming togetherness is a good thing. Sure. But how do we how do we do that when there are so many top when there are so many issues that we're divided on? What do we come like what do we come together under? Uh, yeah, I mean that's a great point. And I don't think that's something that either of us can answer right now. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to pretend. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to know the answer. Because, I mean, literally, I want to say just the other day at work, I want to say like yesterday or the day before, I was talking about how, I said, you know what? I really wouldn't be mad if the country had like a some kind of peaceful divorce. 
It's a term they're using. Like, if we split into four different ways, people gave up vouchers and just like, hey, look, if you live in this corner of the country, then you live by these rules. If you live in this country, you live by these rules. You know, I don't, I don't quite know if that would work that smoothly. <laughs> it would never work that smoothly. Like, because guess what? It's like, bitch, I own this house. Fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Not me, personally, but I'm saying somebody out there. Like, you already know how Mississippi's giving it up. They're going to be like, we're going with Florida. <laughs> we're going to uh, do whatever Florida's doing. Um, but I say that. I'm just talking shit. But, like... In, in reality, though, I'm thinking to myself, like, that, I would, re- like, what do you think is going to happen first? Like, I'll give you three options. You've got the peaceful divorce option. You're going to rid the country of all arguments, bigotries, and disagreements, and prejudice uh, of all kinds. You're going to rid the entire country of that. Or, everyone's going to kill each other. I think the first option seems more likely. The first option seems like the best option. You might as well just split, allow people to be split up and be like, look, whatever it may be, if you have, to, if you feel this type of way, you can be compensated to, just move, don't, to move to this other country. I don't know if I agree with that <laughs> solution, though. I'd much prefer for us to just tap out and meet in the middle and look past each other's differences. I mean, that yeah, would be well, the, the fourth option. Is, There's a fourth option, I guess, would be like us all finding some kind of middle ground that I don't have the answer where it is. We'll hold hands and sing Kumbaya yeah, around the fire. Yeah, that would be the second option, the one where we rid the whole world of, you know, because that's never going to happen. That's the thing. Like, it's not, I don't believe What's that. it like with it? I mean, um, I guess I'm diving too literally into this, but like with a peaceful divorce where you have states succeeding and Forming their own countries and pockets of the country and everything. Just, I just feel like this just makes things a little difficult because it's like, man, if I want to take a trip to New York now, it's going to be a whole different travel process and a whole different, like. Yeah, and and, and it would suck. But in the same breath, it's like, does that make y'all happy? Like, I say y'all, y'all, me, whatever, who would it make you happy if they did that and it worked? And it wouldn't work. I mean, it would just be, guess what? Now these four, country, five countries that have split up are going to fight each other all the time. I feel like we would come back together as the United <laughs> States eventually. I don't think we'd have a choice. I because think what would, or we, what would end up happening is they just, would just sell off each each little piece. We'd like, oh, well, we're going to go with Russia. Because it's kind of like, like going back to the colony days before the United States was formed. Yeah, it's like we're devolving. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it would be. I don't, but I don't realistically see that happening. <laughs> I mean, what's the alternative? I mean... Like, we've laid out a few alternatives, but, like, clearly they're not options just laid out on a table. I mean, I don't really see any real change from the status quo in our lifetime, honestly. That's not me being negative. Yeah. But, I mean, I really don't think it's going to get to the extent where... We have an internal civil war. We're all killing each other and everything. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think it's going to go that far. I don't think the thing is, it's like the people who are prepared for something like that. They're not on the side of like we should do that. You know what I'm saying? Like most of those people are like we're we're more concerned about a the government or b foreign invaders. You know what I'm saying? Like think about like these like militia groups that are like 
uh, moderately libertarian or fucking like right wingers or whatever. They're not like you know what we're gonna go extermin. There's not that many people that are bound together that are like we're gonna go exterminate all of. X, Y, and Z. You know what I'm saying? Like We're going to go kill all the Democrats. Yeah, exactly. There's not enough of those people that are just going to be able to pull something like that off. And there's not enough of people on the other side that are like, you know what, we're going to go kill every dude that's got a fucking Confederate flag outside of his house. But, you know, it's like, but those arguments still stay there. It's like, look, and part of me is kind of getting to the point where I'm like, look, nut up or shut up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now I don't want them to nut up. I, we're not, in the no, context no, of what I'm talking no about, no nutting. Yes, please, no nutting. I want no nutting to proceed here. But when it boils down to it, it's like, hey, either shut the fuck up and work together, or let's get it over with. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go ahead and see what you got. Use use whatever you got on either side of the thing. You guys want to make pipe bombs? You want to blow up the fucking, you know, city hall in every town? Do you want to go and fucking eradicate the country? Uh, try to eradicate the country of Jews? Like, what, what, what is it that you... I'm just using the radical extremes. It's like, what is it that you really want to do? Go do it, or try to do it, and get it over with. Stop building up... Stop terrorizing generations of people. Okay. Like, just get it over with. And I would... Let, I would. Prefer them not not do that. Of course, I, that's what I'm saying. So in other in other terms, since you're not going to do that because they're not they're not going to because they haven't. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's like there's a constant rotation. Good, 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 bad, bad, bad. Good, 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 bad, bad. But it constantly goes up. I feel like. I feel like the best thing we can do, and this is going to like sound like some hippie shit. It's good, man. We're past two hours. If they're still listening, they are dedicated. Um, but and we can wrap it up soon. But oh, yeah. it's just that I think more than anything, more than trying to find the government solution, which is something we'll always debate. But as individuals, the best thing we can do is just like just show love, respect, understanding, and compassion to each individual person we come across. Right. As individuals. As individuals. Not as Democrats. Not as Republicans. Not as a crew. Not as, not, not as, with the home, not necessarily because the homies are with you and doing it and not because it's trendy, but genuinely being somebody of that caliber and striving to be because it's a journey. It's not something that, you know, you, you can't just overnight decide that I'm going to be the best person in the world. It's like you actually have to work towards being somebody that you, you know, are proud to be. And and if I can, before we close, I would like to share an interaction that that I witnessed at work that like really warmed my heart. So like I went to a teacher's classroom and I'm not disclosing where I work at on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we've talked about it already. Well I, I gave an old workplace now. But oh that's right. Not, not oh that's right, that's right. Not not the current. Um He works at the White House <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, like, it goes back to being kind and, and being present. Um, I was in a teacher's classroom. She was a lab instructor. I was, like, replacing all the computers in her lab. And there was a student in there. I'm assuming the uh, girl, like, it was like her off period, the teacher's off period. And I'm assuming the student had acted up that day or something or had um 
you know, maybe done something in class or got into an argument with the teacher, and she was, like, over there talking to her. And it was, like, the most amazing, like, thing, because she was asking the teacher, like, you know, do you hate me? Do you feel like I'm just a bad kid and all this other stuff? And the teacher just, like, slowed her down. I was like, you know, I want you to know that I love you, and you're not a bad kid. You were... You are not the behavior that you exhibited. Yeah. Like, you're more than that to me. Um, I love you, and I believe in you. And, like, even went as far as to say, you know, my classroom would not be the same without Caitlin coming in in the morning. Did you give me Starbucks on your commute from Hattiesburg? And, <laughs> and like, that just really touched me. Like, just yeah. overhearing that. Yeah. Because that somebody... Ex- you know, like, some teachers would just be like, yeah, you're a bad kid. Yeah, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> but it's like, you're extending love. You're giving that child a chance. Yeah. And I took something just from overhearing that interaction. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's like you get to witness some nuance. Like, you, you actually watch the nuance unfold, like, in that moment. Like, things that relate to, like, what I've been reading, you know? Right. Like, See, and that's even crazier, just the way that things, you know, you don't, uh... You don't control when you go into the, uh, when you become a butterfly. It just happens. And it's like, it's almost been like to the point where it's like, hearing that interaction go down. It's almost a point where it's like, I almost want to just go back to that teacher's classroom one day and say, hey, this might sound really weird to say, but the, that interaction really touched my heart. I, I mean, I, I would let her know. I mean, it's confirmation. I mean, you would love for somebody to come up and be like, hey, dude. Fucking the way you got that Coke can out of the drink machine the other day. It's fucking, it, you have no idea, dude. Trust me, you did it with, so, you did it with such prowess. I went home and thought about it and cried. And I can only hope when I get my Coke out of the machine today yeah. that it's as with much grace as you. I, I can only hope to inspire someone the same way that you inspired me. Look, guys, Organic Poison Podcast. If you're interested in supporting this podcast directly, you can do so. Cash app. Organic poison. That's only one O in poison. So that's P O I S N. If you have trouble sending any money and you actually want to send some, look, I'll walk you through it. Email me, Instagram me, uh, PayPal.com slash Shane is O is the PayPal, and then uh, the email is organicpoisonmedia at gmail.com. Drew, thank you for coming on. Dude. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Dude, this has been nice. And, you know, you got to come back, man. I'm, I'm on the road to 20. Uh, excuse me, I'm on the road to 100 right now. I'm really maybe. trying to build this up over the next uh, two or three months. Maybe, maybe the next one's going to be a little more lighthearted and not as philosophical. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get you to come in on a... Uh, another, you, you have decent internet at your house, huh? Yeah, I have... Um, complicated. Uh, I might get you to zoom in on with us, man. It'll be fun. You, okay. you could enjoy a good Zoom conversation. Get you to come talk with us about some video games or some, uh, but I'm talking about all that. I'm really glad that you came and we talked about this. This was good. This was healthy, very, man. This very was healthy. And it's one of those conversations you get something out of. So yeah, yeah. And I'm not just saying that because we're recording. I'm just saying I'm, I'm glad we're recording because you know this is the kind of shit that I think that a lot of people that I'm friends with can take something from you know like we're literally just two normal dudes having a conversation about some very abnormal shit but in the same breath it could be applicable applicable to normal life situations and shit and you know everybody goes through this everybody has their own story like we were saying just a second ago so 
you know, nonetheless. Appreciate it, bro. Oh, yeah. Now we got to figure out what song we're going to put at the end of this. I took a pill in Ibiza to show Avicii I was cool. And when I finally got sober, felt ten years older, but fuck it, it was something to do. I'm living out in L.A. I drive a sports car just to prove. I'm a real big baller because I made a million dollars and I spend it on girls and shoes. But you don't want to be high like me. Never really know why like me. You don't ever want to step off that roller coaster and be all alone. And you don't want to ride the bus like this. Never know who to trust like this. You don't want to be stuck up on that station. Stuck up on that station. Oh, I know a sad soul. Sad soul. Darling, oh, I know a sad soul. Sad soul. I'm so 